You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 126 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the kitchen studio this week, as always, is my trusty co-host, Matt Smith. Trusty, that's a that's a. Or should phrase. I say rusty? Yeah, rusty. I think rusty, is the most appropriate. But yes, hello, good morning, everyone. No, it's not good morning at all. Uh, it's, it's good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> everyone who is uh, yes, uh, uh, apologies for a slight. Obviously, those who are not listening live, obviously that that will mean nothing to you. But it is it is uh, still Saturday. It's the twentieth of August. It mm. is uh, ten past two in the afternoon at the yeah. moment, and there's a very good reason for that. And I'll leave Carlos to explain why. Yeah. So we have had uh, two very special guests indeed. Uh, come in uh, to the studio today one's flown in yes uh, and the other one's driven in in yeah. his lovely car very nice car uh, yes. so uh, a, a welcome into uh, the kitchen studio again it's his second visit to the kitchen it is yeah. you, it was in the, as many it was the spare room studio yeah yeah time. it was yes <laughs> uh, so a big welcome uh, to our resident pilot then captain al thank you very much and a very good afternoon and thanks for the welcome Oh, very good to see you, Al. You've, uh, you've enjoyed your breakfast this morning. We, tr- we uh, took you for breakfast this morning to uh, to Yeah, it was, it was a piece, yeah. very nice breakfast. I, I must uh, confess I was very impressed with the, the quality and quantity. Indeed. That's, oh, good, oh no! Good. Seriously, if uh, seriously, if you're in Beckles, I swear that Posh Peaks breakfast is like the best breakfast you will ever get your ends on in this area. Anyway, I'm sure there are much better ones elsewhere in London and things, but uh, I doubt it. No, <laughs> it was pretty good. So we also have a, another guest in the uh, studio, in the kitchen studio, with us here. He's driven all the way from uh, across the other side of the world, near enough. <laughs> probably uh, felt like it. I yeah. know, probably felt like <laughs> it. Um, but he's uh, made the journey here to see us. Those of you who were at the APG meet-up at Farnborough uh, would have seen that this guy there uh, frantically running around with Matt doing all the uh, audio <laughs> stuff and the visual stuff for the oh, show. Yes. So welcome on to the show and welcome into the kitchen studio, Neville Bounds. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Thank you very much indeed for having me. And uh, it's great to be in the kitchen studio, actually. Uh, yeah. Really, really nice. You, you um, didn't actually think it was a kitchen, did you? No, I mean, you and, were convinced uh, it was. Yeah, I just thought you'd staged it or something. Yeah, no, this is a real kitchen. It is and, a real kitchen. Uh, no, it's fantastic. And uh, yes, I've driven a mere 155 miles to be here. <laughs> just saying. Uh, but uh, very delighted to have done so as well. And, yeah, uh, so, a little yeah. bit unfortunate. Uh, the, the original plan was that I would uh, fly down and uh, pick Nev up on the way, well, not really on the way, but a bit of a but, sort of yeah, a detour, little detour pick, yeah. uh, nev up and then come here. Uh, but unfortunately, the uh, the great British weather has uh, <laughs> has foiled our plans, mm. and uh, Nev had to use the uh, the backup mode of transport. I, I mean, I must say, actually, we got to about um, uh, you'd landed, and we were just sort of doing um, sort of you know parking fees and all that kind of whatever you call it. Is it parking fees? Land- what landing, landing, landing fees? My apologies. Was he dealing with all that? And then we went straight to breakfast, and there was no more than about half an hour between when. Al landed and, and, and when we went out to breakfast and honestly I mean talk about a change of weather I mean talk about pick your window perfectly yeah uh, absolutely <laughs> as I say to my wife timing is everything oh dear family show again <laughs> there we go. well done that was almost on time I know well done. I'm very proud of you <laughs> yeah so thanks to everyone in the chat room for joining us yep. loads of people in the chat room today it's very Fantastic. busy in there. we've got even got uh, we've got podcast royalty in the chat we room. have we've got indeed. Captain yeah. Jeff is in the chat room Absolutely, uh, along with uh, along with loads of more uh, listeners. Yeah. Indeed, and actually, while we're there now, a lot of people will, who were in, involved with the show last week will know that it was a certain person's 
fortieth, <coughs> or as I like to say, away. the tenth anniversary of his thirtieth birthday uh, was last weekend. And uh, some of you will know that there were actually um, some scheming was done on my part uh, as a big surprise for because Car- Carlos literally had no idea. I think he was a bit suspicious as to why very few messages had come in uh, audio wise. Uh, <laughs> he was a bit. He was a bit I sulky. No one loves. Yeah, me. nobody loves him anymore. <laughs> uh, and that's because I'd hijacked them all and I played them all out at his party. Now, one or two listeners have actually written to me directly sort of saying can we hear them because some of them were quite good so uh, uh, I'm going to get Carlos to press the little button on his tablet and uh, yes yeah, so this is the this is the set of birthday messages it's a little bit late I know but it's because I wanted to keep it as a surprise for his party because it was his 40th uh, some messages uh, from our from pod, well podcast royalty and all sorts uh, so uh, if you'd like to hit the go button now please happy birthday to you happy birthday to you Happy birthday, dear Carlos. Happy birthday to you. Hello from Jenny in Rome. Although I'm actually near Rimini, on Italy's Adriatic coast at the moment. I'm travelling back to Rome on Saturday, so I can't be in the chat room. But I wanted to wish you, Carlos, a very happy birthday. I know it's an important one. And together with my best wishes, I'd like to thank you for all your hard work and your enthusiasm in creating such an enjoyable and informative podcast, which now has its own unique slot in the aviation podcast world. Much appreciated. Bye for now. Hi Carlos, it's Nev here. Hope you are well, sir. A little bird tells me that it's your 40th birthday today. So many congratulations from Sue and myself, aka Mrs Nev, and uh, hope you have a great day. And uh, I'd just like to say what a great pleasure it was meeting you down at Farnborough the other week and also the uh, the podcast we did whilst I was in Amsterdam uh, the other day as well. Really enjoyed that and uh, seemed to go down pretty well, didn't it? And uh, in fact, when uh, Sue came over to Farnborough with me, uh, uh, all that uh, stuff that we had there, all that gear. She said how impressed she was with your equipment. That's what she said. Anyway, have a great day, mate. Take care. Cheers. Happy birthday to you. I should just say, listeners, Happy this was actually Mina who's this. You. Happy birthday, dear Carlos. Happy birthday to you. A very good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's Captain Al here, a good friend of Carlos. Unfortunately, I can't be with you tonight to celebrate your birthday. Have a great night, and I'll leave you with these two thoughts. You've only got 87,600 hours left until you're 50. Also, it was reported recently that the age of 20, men say that they have sex at least five times a week. By the time they reach your age, Carlos, they're still telling the same lie. Take care, buddy, and have a good party. Captain Al out. Hey, hey, it's the birthday for Carlos, and uh, I'm here with a bunch of the gang, and we're having a bit of a party in your honor, man, and um, I'll, I'll see if I can get him to turn down the sound in just a bit, but mate, I uh, just stepped into a room so I could say happy birthday. Mate, happy birthday all the way over there in uh, Old Blighty, and I uh, hope you're having a bit of fun, you know, getting up to a bit of mischief and all that, getting a bit of flying, uh, you know, get up there, get some altitude, get some fun. 
Anyhow, that will do with uh, butchering that accent. And, uh, yeah, mate, I just hope you're having a really great time. Uh, looks like the photos of that bonfire... Oh, sorry, the, the cake with the candles. Uh, yeah, it looked like that was a lot of fun and possibly even tasty. So I uh, hope you're having fun. hope everyone's uh, there having a blast. Sorry we can't be there to enjoy. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, just uh, the, the uh, private jet's offline and unfortunately uh, just had to pay taxes so there's no money to jump on and, and get those business class or even first class tickets. I mean, heck, even economy, I just yeah, couldn't do it. Sorry, mate. Uh, but anyhow, one day I will be over there in the UK and we'll have a belated party for you. Meanwhile, um, I'm going to go back and see if I can get these guys to coordinate, and we're going to sing you a little something. Woohoo! Carlos, hello, it's Wing Commander Pip here, wishing you a very happy 40th birthday. How on earth did you get all the way to 40 without crashing and burning? I'll never know. So as you move forward now into the autumn years of your life, as old age sets in, push on with that PPL. It'll be great to see you with your private pilot's license finally. So wishing you a great day, hope you have a great party, hope you have enjoy yourself, may you get the biggest slice of birthday cake, and keep the blue side up as always. Happy birthday to you pal, take care. W-A-P-G, Airline Pilot Guy. little bird that it's um, some kind of a special occasion for someone we know over on the other side of the pond in the UK, Carlos Stebbings. I I hear that uh, you're you're actually getting to be quite an old <clears throat> and. So we heard that it was a, a pretty big number, that it's your birthday, your 40th birthday. So sorry to hear that. We're here to wish you a happy birthday from the Airline Pilot Guy show. Happy birthday, Carlos. Um, yeah, 40. That's a, that's a good milestone, a nice achievement. It's much older than I am, so enjoy that. Um, but I have a feeling I'll be there before I know it, too. So I probably shouldn't say anything too mean about it. But while I have the chance, I, I guess I will. But now, seriously, man, happy birthday. Hope you're having a wonderful party. Hope you had a wonderful day. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. And from me, uh, Carlos, uh, congratulations for reaching this uh, fabulous age. It was so long ago, I can't actually remember what it was like to turn 40. But um, I'm told that at 40, your vision starts to go. But then there's a good side. You can't see what's happening to your body. Congratulations, <laughs> old man. <laughs> and finally, Carlos, one more thing to say. I think I love you. I think I love you. Don't tell Gemma. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Carlos. 
Oh, seriously, guys, thank you oh. ever so much. Uh, as I say, it was all done as a big surprise uh, for Carlos. He didn't know anything about it. Uh, <laughs> we seem to be under attack here in the studio, uh, but we won't talk about that. Uh, so, yes, no, seriously, guys, thank you very much for all the wonderful message that you sent me. It was, as I say, it was, he had no idea no, until no I idea started playing it at his party. Uh, admittedly, yeah. a lot of people in the room there were, were going, thinking, what on, earth, what is, what on is earth is this? But, yeah. uh, no, it was brilliant. Uh, so, as I say, and obviously two of the people who sent me messages are here in the studio right now. So, uh, yeah. Well, we've just come to collect our fee. Right, okay. I didn't, oh dear. I didn't well, see, see Matt for that one. Uh... <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Because he knew nothing about it. Brilliant. Uh, anyway, all part of the fun. So, so that was it. So it was, Carlos is now officially nice. old. And uh, good news, everyone. Uh, it's downhill from here on in, so oh, I'm told. No. Yes, but I've got no room to talk because it's, it's my turn to be, um, as I say, to celebrate the 10th anniversary of my 30th um uh, in November, so we will we'll, oh, we'll, make a note. Make yeah. A yeah. Note. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Anyway, so enough of this. Uh, I think uh, we have a, an aviation-related show to do, don't you? We do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and a bit of news before we start. I have, I have, uh, following on from sort of last week's show and that, I have booked the flights to Oman Ooh. for October. Okay. And on advisement from a certain chap who's sitting across the table from me here. And Mr. Nev there, I'm flying <laughs> British Airways. Are you? Oh, oh yes. good. Finally, <laughs> he has seen the light. Oh, Britannia. Oh, uh, no. Britannia rules. And, uh, but but unfortunately for the chap sitting to my left here, yes, Captain yeah. Al, I'm flying on a Boeing 787-9. <laughs> the plastic, fantastic. Yes, okay, good. <laughs> Don't fly too close to the sun, it'll melt. <laughs> oh, dear. So, but, yes, yeah. we're, not, we're not flying with Emirates this year. It's, it's going to be BA all the way. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Nev, I hope it's going to be a good flight. Yeah, hopefully you give us a nice uh, review of it as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will That'll do. Good. Yeah. 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 Oh, I suppose we better start. Yeah, we ought to do something. So, yeah, yeah, we absolutely. are going to start the show then, as we do each week, with a rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So, if you're ready, Matt. Uh, I am, yes, yes. Are you ready, Al? Oh, yes. And are you ready, Nev? Totally. Let's go. Okay. So kicking off this week's first news story on the Breaking Travel News site. And uh, the headline is, uh, funnily enough, British Airways um, <laughs> 81 tops the most delayed flight ranking. Oh, this is not, <laughs> this is not looking too good, is it, Nev? Honestly. What's that about you booking a flight with BA? Sorry. Moving on. <laughs> so flight compensation company EU Claim has re- uh, released internal data revealing the most unlucky flight numbers this summer. Flagship British airline, uh, British uh, Airways, and flight BA81, oh, that's good, because mine's 73, from London Heathrow to Accra, Accra? Accra. Uh, Accra, has been revealed as the most unlucky flight number this summer, with a total of 10 delays over 180 minutes between April and July. Uh, British Airways is, however, not alone. EasyJet's EZY 8876 flight from Amsterdam to London Gatwick and Ryanair's flight FR9811 from Barcelona to London Stansted have won silver and bronze for the most unlucky flight of the summer, with a total of 12 (laughs) delays in the last four months. Now, the data further reveals that August 2016 is set to be the worst on record for cancelled and delayed flights since 2013. 
Over the last four years, EU claim has seen the number of people seeking compensation against airlines in August rising rapidly. And based on the growth of cancelled and delayed flights, EU claim predicts a total of 1,090 delays of more than 3 hours and 792 cancellations in total this month. But it's not all doom and gloom for British Airlines as EU claim reveals the longest delays by airlines in the month of August since 2013, with a UK operator never making it into the list of worst offenders. Air Blue tops the chart with a delay of 51 hours and 10 minutes wow. from Manchester to Islamabad <laughs> uh, in August 2013, followed by Norwegian Air Shuttle with a delay of 33 hours and 41 minutes in 2015, and Vietnam Airlines with delays of over 32 hours in 2014. Good-o. <laughs> Blimey. So right, I bet you really can't wait now. So that's unlucky flight numbers, so right. I'm not flying on any of those flight numbers. I, so do, okay. I do love pointless superstition, though, doesn't everybody else? <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, just making up stuff to sort of like, you know, it's like any flight with it. I mean, actually, seriously, I used to work in a hotel, um, and we had 14 bedrooms. Uh, no, sorry, we only had 13 bedrooms, but we didn't have a room 13. We only had a, we had a room 14 because nobody would ever stay in room 13, so we had to rebrand ha- it. Have you ever flown a flight 13? Uh, Royal Jet no, Flight 13? No, and also uh, a lot of our aircraft, if not all, don't have a row 13 either. Really? It'll go from 12 to 14. Did you also know that British Airways used to do that? They used to go from 12 to 14, but now they do have a row 13. Ah. I wonder See, I why know, that is. I know a lot of people oh, who no. actually have, number th- have, have the number 13 as their lucky number. Do you know, so, I think this is an, a, an ode. We should all go out today and, and buy a lucky dip but, or a lottery ticket with the number with 13. With the number 13. <laughs> right, okay. yeah. all right, well, you know, I'll take anything for a what lottery win. I'm not fussy. I mean, I think there's uh, <laughs> a reasonable connection between the flight number and the destination for some of these flights, isn't there? So I, I, I think the, the number is potentially quite irrelevant and the, yeah. the destination and indeed the airline. So where's Accra, Al? Uh, it's on oh, the uh, west coast of Africa. Oh, okay, right, okay. A, a local, a local, a local destination, then. then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's in Ghana. Oh, oh. Uh, a few miles away then. Mm-hmm. What's been your longest delay Al, with Royal Jet in your history with them? <sighs> Personal delay with uh, flight. Um, I've not had any particularly long delays, oh, okay. to be truthful. That's because he's a supersonic pilot. You see? Yeah. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> he keeps them down to a minimum. Yeah. Um, no, 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 nothing in those sort of realms, to be, to, be, to be you know, honest. I mean, where you're talking about flights being delayed by several days, that's quite good going, isn't it? I mean, you might as well walk. <laughs> Well, maybe not walk, but yeah, maybe a drive. Yeah, <laughs> my, my flight was delayed today. Actually, I had to get the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. EU yeah. two six one does not apply. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, I should be putting in for my compensation. <laughs> <laughs> but at least your bags got here, Ned. Well, yeah. that's true. Yeah, they yeah. didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, York it. York Moller in the chat room has put in China fourteen and four are unlucky numbers. Fourteen and four, okay. Yeah, but planes there do have a row four and a four, a row fourteen. Right. Yeah, but I, 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 this whole superstition thing. I'm sorry, it's a load of nonsense. Yeah. It's like people who, 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 who leave their lives by horoscopes, but we won't open that can of worms. No, no, no. <laughs> but so go around the table then. Um, what's the longest flight delay as a passenger you've experienced? Because I was just trying to. Uh, uh, ours was the year before last, flying from with Emirates from Heathrow, and that was a medical emergency when we. Uh, left the gate, we had to return to the gate. 
and that was two and a half hours. Okay, that's okay. Um, that's not bad. Mm. Uh, I had I had a two hour ten minute delay at um, Stansted going to Edinburgh, um, which so the delay was far 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 longer than the actual flight. Um, but uh, mm -hmm. no, uh, two significant delays. Um, London Gatwick to Dallas Fort Worth on a British Airways. Um, so it was coming back actually. <laughs> Back from DFW. You're really selling to British Gatwick. Airways to us, by the way. <laughs> it was a long time ago, and it was a steam-driven aircraft. Okay. Uh, right. But yes, we had a hydraulic failure on the taxi out oh. to the runway, and uh, after much tech and mucking about, uh, we returned to the gate, and we spent the night in a hotel, and we, we missed a day, obviously. And then the other one was I was flying out of Copenhagen with the SAS boys and girls, uh, just cleaned up, and uh, about... I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 feet, and somebody inconveniently had a heart attack on the plane. So we've gone oh, back rude. to Copenhagen <laughs> for an overweight landing where the crew then went out of hours, and so we're in the hotel and again. And so you're in the hotel again, uh, but, yeah. So those are the only two significant ones I've ever picked up, actually. In the uh, chat room here, actually, we've got Tony S. was saying that her, her longest delay was four hours for her, uh, and that was because some of the cabin crew had phoned in sick, so they were unable to get out, get, get mm. off the ground. Uh, where are we? Uh, we've got uh, Stuart was saying that it's only an hour for him. I guess he'd been quite lucky. Evan uh, Shoe, six hours. Yeah, six hours was his longest delay. Uh, just yeah, let us know. 48 hours was my longest as a passenger. As a passenger, 48. Mm. Oh, what wow. airline was that? Air 2000. <gasps> oh, wow. I flew out with Air 2000. On a, on a Boeing 757, I bet. Uh, you're absolutely right. Mombasa to London Gatwick via Cairo, and uh, the aeroplane hit. Uh, a bird on the way in, which uh, destroyed the the radome, the oh no, the plastic bit at the front of the aeroplane, and uh, yes, we went off uh, to a hotel and uh, stayed there and stayed there and stayed there and eventually uh, made it out of there in one piece. I've got to ask the question as we do have royalty in 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 the chat room there, uh, Jeff. What what's the longest delay that you've mm. had as a as a not only as a pilot but as a passenger as well, just out of sheer curiosity? Um, ah, hello. Good afternoon, Dr. Steph. Dr. Steph's in the oh, chat room. Blimey. We ask the same question to Steph anyway. We yeah. do that as well. Yeah. But uh, yes, uh, we're, we're slightly off topic, aren't we? We're get, this is going to run. So keep those coming in. We'll, we'll talk about the delays and stuff uh, a little Jeff bit later put on. Just four weeks. Four, <laughs> four weeks. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay, that's not helpful. We can't stop that. Can no, we, we oh, can't. No. No. He says he's joking, though. He says he's kidding. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I had a fight like that once. Yeah. Oh, oh uh, Evan was saying actually that it was a broken ERJ. What's a broken ERJ? Somebody it's explain. A regional jet ERJ. An Embraer yeah. regional Embraer, jet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Sorry. So it was a, a broken ERJ at Canberra Airport was his was the reason for his delay. Uh, Jeff says he doesn't know. How rude. Honestly. <laughs> so next story. Moving on. He's, be, he's being diplomatic. I bet. Uh, is it oh, me now? Is yeah, it on the yeah. breaking news? Okay. Yeah. On the breaking time. web. Uh, breaking travel. Breaking news. wind. Breaking. Oh, no, we've <laughs> had that already. <laughs> Just stop it. Family show. Uh, breaking travel news. I, I have officially lost control of the studio, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, so anything could happen from now on. Uh, breaking travel news is the website. The headline is Flybe to add Sheffield to Dublin route to schedule in October, which is quite good because actually when we were picking stories, we we noticed uh, was it Dublin to uh, Derry um, and flights between those to a stopping apparent being blamed on Brexit I should say so this is quite good news Flyby to add uh, Sheffield Dublin to, to Derry being yep. blamed on Brexit on Brexit yep absolutely fantastic yeah it was from Northern <laughs> Ireland to Southern <laughs> Ireland you see and that's it and it was being blamed mm. the cancellation was being blamed 
on Brexit. Uh, but uh, yeah, Google that because seriously, it's, it's we, we we didn't include it because I wasn't sure I believed it. If I'm honest, which is why we didn't include it. But anyway, so Flybe has added a new route to Dublin from Yorkshire's Doncaster Sheffield Airport that will operate six times a week with effect from October the 30th. The news comes just months after the launch of its new partnership with Flybe that featured an initial 10 routes. It comes as a welcome boost to business and leisure travellers alike who enjoy visiting the Irish city. Dublin attracts visitors for midweek and weekend getaways and is great for a family trip away. Also, from the Irish airport, they can travel onwards with long-haul services to the US, fast-tracking their journey time to North American destinations as Dublin Airport offers US-bound passengers pre-clearance immigration and customs services. This means that there are no border checks upon arrival in the United States as passengers are classed as domestic arrivals. Absolutely. That's fascinating. And when Manchester Terminal 2 reopens after its revamp, you'll be able to do the same there as well. Really? You'll be able to clear US immigration whilst you're on the ground in Manchester. Really? Which will mean that you'll just arrive in the United States and uh, you'll just have to go through customs, but you won't have to go through immigration. Wow. That's really cool. Yep. That is genuinely quite cool. But only from Manchester. I I mean, long shot. I don't suppose you know the answer. Is there any plans to do similar things with with uh, Norwich? Because I, no, I know, no, no, not with Norwich. No, no. But because Stansted is owned by the same. It's the same company that owns. Is it Stansted or which one was it that? Um, it no, it was wasn't it Stansted that was bought by the the company that owns the one in Manchester. I think because yeah, because they were they were made BAA was sold were made to sell yes. it weren't they and I think um, it was um, yeah you may well be right there don't quote me um, um, certainly Manchester owns Bournemouth yeah um, and it may well now own I'm pretty States, sure it, it's somebody like that that owns uh, the chat room will no doubt correct me but I'm pretty sure that that yeah Stansted was was bought by the company that owns the Manchester okay. Airport um, but I may be wrong um, I think it ultimately comes down to the airports making the the relevant U.S. department a, yes. a suitable financial offer to yeah. uh, place their staff there, and uh, that way, then it can be progressed that way. Yeah. Uh, the reason it's existed in the Republic of Ireland in Dublin is because of the long-term uh, friendship between yes. the Irish yeah, yeah, yeah. and the Americans uh, yeah. from from the obviously yeah. the distant past. So that. But I mean, that's a love. That's a, that's you, were, you were correct, by the way. Oh, was I? Oh, yeah. good. Uh, Stansted, London Stansted Airport is owned by the Manchester Airports Group. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, Mag. Mag. Yeah, Mag. That's it, Mag. Yeah, that that, that was what, what was making making me realize. Sorry, I, I've got um, I don't know what's the matter with me today. I've lost the ability to talk. Uh, <laughs> Which could be a problem on a, on a live broadcast, but anyway, so apologies, I'm a bit stuttery today, so I'm the, not very well. The next story moving on yes, is, uh, has been specially chosen for, for Captain, Captain Al. Al. Has it? Yeah, oh, right, as okay. It, uh, as it t- in- involves, <laughs> actually, funnily enough, the, the story, which is actually on the CH Aviation website, uh, is a story about Airbus, but the photograph uh, they've used oh, on the no. story... Oh, Nev, avert your eyes, please. Is, um, <laughs> Is, is not an Airbus, but anyway, right. well, <laughs> it looks like a, a transit van on wheels. <laughs> that thing does. Oh, it's a Boeing seven three seven, of right. course. Okay, right, okay, good. okay, good. Um, That's fine. Yes. So, oh dear, 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 dear. This is this is challenging for an old person. Hang on, I'm just trying to. <laughs> He's trying to read the text on the screen. He needs to well, adjust the, uh, the 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 size. Right. The okay. size. Oh, it's moving on its own now. Hang on. <laughs> Um, would, would somebody else like to read the story? No, or? no, no, I can do it. I <laughs> oh, can do it. He's persevering. Right. Okay. okay. Uh, UK's Titan Airways to add Airbus wide bodies in the first quarter of 2017. Um, obviously, they're recruiting 
ladies of a, of a larger size Stop for it. working in the cabin. <laughs> uh, Titan Airways, who are based at London Stansted, uh, commercial director Alistair Keeman says the UK's ACMI charter specialist is looking to add its first Airbus wide-bodied aircraft to its inventory next year. In an interview with Roots Online, Keeman said Titan was expecting its first A330, awesome aeroplane, during the spring of 2017, along with its maiden A319-100. A very nice airframe too. At present, Titan Airways operates a mixed Airbus and Boeing fleet. Well, I suppose they can't get enough Airbuses, can they? So they yeah. <laughs> supplement it with second best. Stop it. Actually, the, having said that, the, uh, the, the 737 is a, is a very good performer, and there's the 73 Max, uh, if it actually delivers the fuel savings that the manufacturers say it will and are prepared to actually support, then it's going to be a phenomenal aeroplane. Right. I digress. Moving back, and one uh, Boeing 767-300 in brackets ER, extended range. Its customers currently include Sweden's Nova, uh, Norwegian Air International, Jet2, and Vueling. Uh, given the seasonality of the European market, Titan is also looking to secure northern wintertime contracts in Asia, Australasia, the United States, and Canada. <laughs> uh, Titan Airways are based in uh, Stansted. Oh, are they? And, uh, yeah, and they're, they're kind of an ad hoc um, um, carrier or charter carrier. I think you, they're still one of those carriers that you can call on at the last minute. Yeah, basically, um, especially during the summer, um, airlines typically don't have uh, airplanes just sat around waiting to be used because as you can imagine uh, an yeah, aircraft has yeah. a phenomenal uh, rate of repayment on leases and so forth so they have to be used especially during the summer because for large parts of the world it's very seasonal so uh, in our part of the world uh, the, the summer season is absolutely vital to airlines mm. so if you have a problem say whereby Say, for example, someone uh, rams a baggage truck into an aeroplane and, and you know, <laughs> damages it, yeah. uh, which invariably happens at around about 5 o'clock on a Friday afternoon yes. <laughs> uh, when all the office people have, have gone home. Um, then you may need an aircraft at very short notice. Yeah. And this is where the likes of uh, Titan come into play because mm. they have their aeroplane sat and pretty much ready to go with uh, crews on very short notice standbys to go and operate it for... But it, but it must be quite a, a risky strategy because you've got no guarantee, essentially, that, that they're going to get called on. I mean, there's... No, but um, their hourly rate is, as you might that. expect, for someone who's available. Yeah, no, okay. Well, no, I wouldn't say extortionate, but yeah, they well. are you know, offering a, a short-notice service. Mm. So in exactly the same way as that if you want Amazon Prime, you have to pay a bit extra. Yeah, OK. Um, you know, if you want an aeroplane to, uh, to arrive very quickly, all ready to go to take your passengers yeah. to wherever they need to go, then you are going to pay a premium. But of course... Uh, no one likes to inconvenience their passengers no, greatly. No, and, and that, that extra premium, if you like, is probably outweighs the, the, the compensation. Absolutely, and when we're into yeah. realms of sort of EU 261 for yeah. three hours, um, you know, two hours and 59 minutes of delay mm. and having to pay a bit of a premium is infinitely better than yeah. three hours and one minute of delay. And this one is especially for uh, Nev, obviously, because he does love a story where a picture matches up. So that's a 737-300 yeah. that they're using to advertise the story, and it's an A321 that they're talking about. Just to or A319, yeah. A319, yeah. Just to, just, you know, just because you ne could Nev loves picture these editor things, for, uh, <laughs> Why would the media bother to get to, it To right? research it properly, yes. yeah, absolutely. Yes. But never mind, it's all part of the fun. Anyway. So moving on to the next story, which is all 
for you, Nev. Yeah, this one's been chosen especially for me because it's got lots of difficult to pronounce words hey, in it. Excellent, I know. And, uh, but we're going to give it a go. This is from the flight. I thought it was chosen because it's uh, got the word botched in it. Yes. <laughs> hey, excuse me, I'll have you know that, that, that Nev, Nev's technical skills are, are unsurpassed only by my own. <laughs> he says modestly. I'm not expecting a technical moment today, <laughs> but you never know. Yes, anything's possible in this you configuration. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yes. This, this is from the, the Flight Global uh, website. I'm going to ask Captain Al a question after I've read this. I've just been reading it, and I just cannot believe what I'm reading. But it says, botched go-around led to extraordinary 737 overrun. Investigators have detailed how a bungled go-around resulted in, in, in a Boeing 737 300s striking the runway as it's gear retracted, causing substantial damage before the jet became airborne again. The avia traffic uh, aircraft had been descending towards the I can't even pronounce that, the city of Osh in poor visibility and below minimum conditions for a Cat 1 instruments approach to runway 12 when the crew opted to execute a go-around. Russians Interstate Aviation Committee said the go-around should have been executed at a height of 60 metres, but was belatedly initiated at 45 metres. The decision to go around was made correctly, it said, but the action commenced with some delay. While the crew had sufficient margin to perform the go-around, the inquiry says, the pilots mishandled the procedure. The captain applied go-around thrust... Alan, stop it. Um, I'm, I'm trying to adjust your camera. It was absolutely yes, fine. It, it, it's all going really well. Until it someone said, move it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's come off. It's, Sorry, it's having a... not gone terribly well. Really. <laughs> no, there is it. Shall we... Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Je Jeff thinks that Bungie is experiencing an earthquake. Exactly. It looks like it, isn't it? Gosh. Oh. So basically, it was never actually mounted. It was just lobbed on here, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was I think, uh, so precariously balanced. Just as we were saying, there wasn't... It's been bombed. Not even any blue tack on Just as we were saying, there wasn't going to be a technical moment. No, indeed, yeah. There no, has I, I, been... want to, I want to make everyone else who, yes. who does this, you know, feel at home because it was all going far too, yes. far too well. I'm just uh, going to. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just going to try. Okay, good luck. Yeah, finish this story. Focus, sorry, focus everyone. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Only because. <laughs> honestly, hopefully, by the time I get to the end of it, Al will be in a position yes, to absolutely. answer a question which I've got for him. But we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, it says the captain applied go-around thrust and called for flap retraction. <laughs> but responded to the natural pitch-up motion of the aircraft by pushing forward on the yoke. <laughs> Investigators indicate that the captain could have been experiencing... Oh, here we go. Brace yourself. Somatographic illusion, yep. which Ooh. is a false impression of sharp nose-up attitude, possibly resulting from fatigue. It led to a breach of the missed approach profile, said the inquiry into the 22nd November 2015 accident. It adds that the first officer's passive behaviour meant that the captain's errors went uncorrected. Not uncommon in the Russian region, I have to yeah. say. No, As a result of the aircraft, which was uh, the aircraft which was just 38 metres above the runway and travelling at 146 knots, continued to descend instead of climbing away. And the crew failed to communicate adequately with one another and the prematurely initiated landing gear retraction before verifying that the 737 had achieved positive climb. I'm not going to read the whole thing because no. it, it does go on a bit. No. But, it, I mean, the go-around procedure, Al, it's the one of the most common standard operating procedures, I would have thought, and well-trained at, at most airlines. I, I wonder how it's possible for the crew to have got themselves in this position. It's interesting, actually. A very good question. Uh, the two-engine go-around is very well-practiced. 
rarely performed as a, a matter of cause. It's not in the habit of going around, and often messed up. Um, now, in this particular case, um, we're talking about the 737, which is a conventional aeroplane. So it doesn't have any flight control computers. Uh, it operates on a very similar level to the PA-28 that I flew today. Now, this will ring some bells of uh, memory, hopefully, for Matt. Yeah, but when so. you accelerate, your body isn't used to accelerating at that sort of rate. So it provides false signals to your brain mm. that you're pitching up. And this is exactly what can happen in a go-around, where you're obviously you're accelerating, so you're increasing your speed, and you should be pitching up, so 15 degrees would be the normal for a go-around, except if you don't trust your instruments, you will perceive that you're pitching up to a much greater much angle higher, because yeah. you're accelerating. And when I was uh, talking to Matt about the sort of fear of flying aspects yeah, with regards it, to a takeoff, it, I, I don't mind saying it was one of the things that, that concerned me so much. Like, but yeah. it was the, it was the extreme amount of thrust that when 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 the aircraft is taking off and it Could always I just say feels, we've had a lot of thrust in the studio already. Well, indeed, today. absolutely. But we won't. Yeah. We, we'll, we'll gloss over that. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and and it was the, the, from from my point of view because as as Al pointed out, obviously, like I suppose when you're driving your car and all that kind of thing, obviously you're looking out the window. Of course, you can't do that very easily in an aeroplane and it's difficult to judge the angle so your body essentially lies to you, lies to you telling you that the angle is much more extreme than it actually is yeah it's the somatographic illusion mm. your 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 brain is confused so therefore it can only rely on the signals that it's getting so when we talked about uh, not being able to use our eyes so if we're a passenger yeah. we're looking at the back of a seat yeah if we're on a, a on the flight deck uh, we may be in cloud, for example, so we don't have any visual references. So in the absence of any visual references, the brain uses the only signal that it can, which is coming from the inner ear, mm. which is, in fact, an incorrect signal. Yeah. Lying. So, yeah, absolutely. In exactly the same way as our uh, body can, can fool us, if we go around on a children's roundabout a few times, mm. we come off, we're dizzy, we can't walk yeah. in a straight line. So our, our, our body is, is often lied to us. So in this particular case... The crew, or the captain, hasn't abandoned his, his, his body function senses, which he should have, because they're lying to him. Yeah. He should be using his instruments. Mm. And therefore, what he has done is he has falsely felt that he's over-pitching, right. and he's pushed forward. And it's very, very important, especially in a go-round, where you're obviously going from approach uh, thrust settings to toga which is takeoff go around thrust which is effectively full power out of the engine so you are going to accelerate very quickly you're going to get you know pushed into the back of your seat as it were mm. it is very very important that you trust your instruments mm. and although a go around isn't always uh, an instrument maneuver you may be in cloud you may not be that is your reference your artificial horizon your primary flight display is telling you mm. the truth uh, and because there are no flight control computers or so forth uh, in the 737, it is just simply a case of you cannot rely on what your body is mm. telling you. You uh, must trust your instruments. Yeah, that's a very good point. And the second part of my question was going to be, um, where was the first officer in all of this? Because there seems to be a complete lack of CRM on, on the flight deck. Well, we have two, two situations. Um, first of all... Um, you can quite often get what I describe as the rabbit in the headlamps phenomena. So this 
go-around probably was not anticipated. So it's all happening very quickly. And it may well be a, a relatively inexperienced first officer. If it's in the, in the nature of the text, I'm sorry if I've missed it. But someone with less experience can just completely just go rabbit in headlamps uh, and yeah. not be able to, to offer anything. I think the captain yeah. knows what he's doing, therefore... So well, yeah, there's two elements. There's that, that sort of like just not being able to offer yeah. anything. Okay. Because yeah. you just rabbit in the headlamp, yeah. cannot function. Not sure what's going on, yeah. The aeroplane's, you know, well ahead of you and you're, you're just a passenger now. Yeah. And then, of course, it may well be that there is a significant uh, experience gradient or it may be that the captain's a very overpowering individual, yeah. or it just may be that the first officer is a very uh, meek and non-assertive first officer. So if you have a, a non-assertive first officer who's like a rabbit in the headlamps, yeah. you effectively have no input, comment, assistance, safety net from the right-hand well, seat. And he, he may also perhaps been a, maybe a junior, perhaps he hasn't been a first officer very long, perhaps hasn't quite got the confidence to, yeah. to sort of challenge the, his, his captain, essentially, perhaps. Um, I, know, I know they're talking about the, uh, the toga switches on the Boeing's, Al, but on the Airbus, you know, what is, what is the, um, the takeoff go around? It's actually very easy on the Airbus, and it's quite instinctive. As you know, the thrust levers um, on the Airbus... Uh, don't move uh, as a result of any electric motors uh, that can get jammed up with crisps and biscuits <laughs> and cheese and so forth. Mm. Um, but when we uh, need to go around, it's just a case of moving thrust levers as far forward as they will go, firewalling it in essence. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very instinctive thing to do. Mm. Um, for most pilots, you know, forward, go faster pull back, go slow. And, you, and you've got to adjust the flaps and everything yourself. When you, yeah, when yeah. basically um, what will happen is uh, when you go to TOGA, um, the flight directors will go into uh, TOGA SRS go around track. So your TOGA will give you maximum power. The SRS is the speed reference system, so it will select the speed that it wants you to fly it. So that will command your pitch up and it will fly you at a safe speed. And go-around track will be whatever the, the track is that you're flying until it engages the missed approach procedure. And then basically you will fly that until you reach your um, acceleration altitude. So there will be a period where you're just at toga, flying 15 degrees, and up you go. Uh, and then you will uh, level or lower the nose, uh, accelerate a bit, and retract the flaps and... Ha happened to you lately, Al, or are you? Uh, um, to be honest, not, not very often. Two engine go-arounds are quite a rare experience. I probably do about one a year, hmm. um, and for a lot of airlines, um, when we're in the simulator, we do a lot of single-engine sort of stuff. So single-engine go-arounds are quite common uh, in the simulator. Um, but when you come to do a two-engine go-around, obviously you've got twice the amount of power, right? And therefore, Gosh. it can catch people unawares. Um, and I have to say. Um, it is a lot easier to do a two-engine go-around on an Airbus. And if you happen to have the autopilot in, all you have to do is just move the thrust levers all the way forward and the aeroplane will, will pitch up and manage itself. Right. And then you have to explain to the passengers what's going on. <laughs> yeah, but relatively speaking, it's not a, it's not a, a manoeuvre that will cause a huge amount of distress. Yes, you will, you'll notice that you've gone around. Might be um, enough to upset me as a, as a nervous flyer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I remember uh, some years ago going into Orlando International as a passenger with my wife and sister-in-law, 
and uh, there was a, a rain shower went through the airport and we ended up going around mm. and uh, my sister-in-law uttered the words of flipping heck or something of Some, that order. Something along those orders, yes. Um, <laughs> because you do get obviously pushed back yeah. into your seat. And again, you are, as a passenger, you're not privy to the instruments, so yeah. you are sensing quite a significant pitch up. Yeah. It's not a roller coaster, it's only 15 degrees. Yeah. Uh, and that 15 degrees, as mm. Matt and I talked about, isn't actually particularly steep. No. But you perceive it as being yeah. a lot steeper. Um, and I explained to her that, you know, a, a go-around is just like having a second go at parking your car in a space. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's just a lot more public. I think that's half the trouble, isn't it? Because if you have got passengers on board, it's like, as you, you, you might have one or two people perhaps in, in the car park if, you, if you're having to do it in your car. But you Yeah, know. but it's, it's not a big deal, is it? No, it's not. No, no, um, no. Of course, that's a correctly flown go-around manoeuvre. If, if you mess it up like uh, these guys appear to have done, then, yeah, I mean, it can turn into, uh, into a big accident. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So yeah. moving on then to the next story on yep. Flight Global's site. This one uh, is a picture story. Matt, I'll put the pictures up he in will. a yeah. moment. And the headline, uh, ANA, or Al Nippon Airways, takes delivery of the 50th uh, 787. Now this one is uh, the launch customer Al Nippon Airways has taken uh, delivery of their 50th Boeing 787 Dreamliner becoming the first carrier to do so. The 787-9 woohoo, I'll be flying on one of those next well, in October. Seriously um, boys, boys and girls which, he is uh, going to be absolutely no, unbearable until the end of October. He really is. I know. So this uh, <laughs> this aircraft which features a small air You're going on an Airfix model. Oh, yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> well it was either that or the A380. Oh, they're a bit what? boring though. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> you, you, when you get on your plastic fantastic, yeah, ask if you can go upstairs and see the puzzled looks. <laughs> right, anyway, okay. carry on. Uh, <laughs> so the, uh, the aircraft was handed over a ceremony at Boeing's Everett uh, Delivery Centre on the 17th of August. Uh, the 787 Dreamline has played a significant role in opening up new routes in new markets while also forming the backbone of their long-haul fleet, said ANA's President and Chief Executive Osamu Shinobi. Flights Analyzer uh, Fleets Database shows the airline has 35 of the smaller 787-8s in service, while one is in storage under repair following a recent engine failure. Mm. Uh, the latest uh, delivery also brings its 787-9 fleet to 14 units with a further 30 on order. I can't see the chat rooms. I don't know why this is all laughing at. <laughs> so uh, uh, ANA also has orders for three of the stretched-10 variants of the 787. Uh, Flight Global schedules data shows that ANA deploys its 787s on services to Europe, North America, and across Asia Pacific, as well as on some okay, domestic bring, bring routes. Bring that picture back up. Put the picture us, on yeah. there. There okay, we go. There's yeah. the uh, there is the jet in question, the 787-9. Uh, with that, with that being ANA, I wonder what livery they're going to put on it, because uh, they have quite a a range of liveries, don't oh, they? Do they? ANA. Mm. Yeah, they have the Star Wars. Uh, yeah, oh, yes, of yeah, they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yes, and of course there's a new film due out soon, so they might do something similar, perhaps. Oh, I see the chat room now, yeah. Yes, yeah, okay, yeah. No, it's not something there. we can read out. No. Uh, anyway. So next story uh, is <laughs> for you, That Mr. would be Smith. me, yes, hello. Oh, right, oh, I've got to do something, am I? Right, sorry. So this is Flight Global again, and the headline is Aeroflot to take another 10 superjets. Uh, Russian flag carrier Aeroflot has committed to acquiring an additional batch of 10 uh, Sukhoi superjet regional airliners from the leasing arm of state-owned Sherbank. Uh, the airline's freshly signed agreement with Sherbank has been outlined via the... Oh, you really are doing it to me today, aren't you? Uh, it's the Zakupi... Zak, I don't know. It's a Zakupki 
public procurement Sukupki. website. Apologies to anyone if I've offended that that terrible pronunciation. It shows that the 10 aircraft will be taken under 12-year financial leases. The aircraft are additional to the 30 superjets that Aeroflot ordered from Sukhoi in 2005. Since June 2011, the SkyTeam airline has received 29 of these. It expects to take delivery of the 30th shortly. Uh, Sherbank funded leases of 20 superjets, while uh, VEB leasing supplied the rest. And that's a very short story. So that is anyway. a very... <laughs> absolutely. That's quite pretty hard, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> nice not many airlines have taken these Sukhoi superjets. I mean, the Russians... So what, 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 is, what is the superjet su- of, uh, yeah. of taking delivery, they? aren't they? Yes. Uh, uh, and I have to say, it's it's a nice-looking aeroplane. Is it? Would you, that's, that would be classed as a regional jet. That's quite a yes, small... Yes, uh, although you do need a broom handle. Uh, what, to start them up? <laughs> oh, no, no, not no. quite. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting arrangement. From what I can understand... Um, to close the uh, the rear cargo hold. Oh no! You, you need. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to hear this. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, you need a, a long pole to be able to grab hold of the handle, from what I can understand. Really? And uh, 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 this has caused a little bit of uh, confusion and chaos at uh, yeah. certain outstations where a pole Indeed. has not been available. Uh, oh, <laughs> these actually. Uh, Pip saying Swiss has got some. Uh, Pip was saying in the chat room. Yeah, I was just looking on uh, on the sort of the the site on here on on Google and they. Um, Introduced into service in 2011, primary users being Aeroflot, Interjet, and Gazpromavia. And <laughs> uh, there's been 109 built so far. And if you want to go out and buy one now, you can get one of these Sukhoi superjets for about one and a half billion US. Do- uh, sorry, one. Uh, sorry, 34.4 million. I was going to say hell's teeth. Yeah, 35 and a half million dollars will get you one. By the airport for that much. I was going to say, no wonder there aren't many people flying them for no, 1.3 no, no, billion indeed, US yeah. dollars. Yeah, well, you know, the, the Russians have got to make their money somehow, haven't they? They hold, uh, <laughs> they hold a maximum of 108 persons, mm-hmm. these wow. uh, super jets. Oh, so yeah. they're not, they're, they're they're not, not sort of jumbo size then, they're no. just sort of little, um, little aircraft. They're, they've got uh, they're kind of a three... Uh, sort of seven, three, three, seven three, size. Two. Yeah, well, um, yeah, they're slightly, slightly narrow, I think. Right, that. okay. But uh, no... A Sukhoi Superjet. There we go. Ooh. Next story, moving on, is all over to Captain Al for this one. Uh, which one is it? Give me a clue. Is it? Is it this This one? is quite an interesting one. This is uh, on the Fox 2 Now website. And, yep, uh, I've got it. Oh, good. This is, this is rather interesting. I like this one. Okay, uh, here This we go. is the uh, $5 rebate at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centre, yeah? No, no, uh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> what? That's the, that's the advert. Okay, <laughs> that's that's the yes. not that one. <laughs> right, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm with it, right. Uh, right, yes, on the Fox 2 Now website, yes. uh, the headline is Baby Born Mid Flight Gets 1 Million Airline Miles. Whoa! What? <laughs> okay. Wait, what on earth is a baby going to do with 1 million air miles? Maybe Sam <laughs> Chewy could try this as an alternative. Well, <laughs> to, to, to fly around. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I guess, yeah, Sam, yeah. yeah, if you're listening, Sam, you should, you should have, have a baby on board. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, uh, the, the story reads thus. Uh, of course, it's an American website, so I, I won't uh, uh, confess to understand the grammar or lack of, but here we go. <laughs> Brace yourselves, everyone. Uh, here's one kid who'll probably learn to fly before she can crawl. After being born four hours into a flight from Dubai to Manila, baby girl Haven has been gifted one million air mile points. Wow. Haven's mom went into labor more than five weeks early whilst flying on an aircraft operated by Philippines carrier Cebu Pacific on August 14. 
Two nurses among the plane's passengers helped with the delivery alongside cabin crew as the pilot diverted to Hyderabad in India to seek further medical assistance. Ooh. The budget airline said it's the first time a baby has been born on one of its aircraft. Airline CEO Lance Gokengwai Brilliant, well done. Uh, said Haven <laughs> would be awarded one million points on the airline's get-go rewards to celebrate the birth. The points have no expiry and can be shared with the family. No way. Really? See, I was kind of expecting that, you know, you can have a millionaire points, but you've got to they use them in two tomorrow. years. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're happy that both mother and daughter are doing well and would like to commend our flight and cabin crew for handling the situation with the utmost of professionalism and efficiency, he said. We also express our sincerest gratitude to the two volunteer nurses who helped to ensure the baby's safe delivery. One fellow passenger described on Facebook how Haven's mum returned to her seat after giving birth during the most normal flight ever. <laughs> uh, my wife could take some notes here. Yes. <laughs> why, we only heard why, one semi-loud screech, <laughs> and a few seconds later there was a tiny, cute screech, Aww. and we knew the baby had been born. Luckily, she only had to push once. Right. Okay. I don't, don't, no. No Moments later. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to remind you that we are live. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the woman got up uh, to go back to her seat, baby in arms. Mighty strong, I might say. Haven's arrival, according to Umadal, delayed the flight's arrival at its destination by nearly nine hours. But no complaints have been received. Everyone, everyone in that plane was blessed. And on a, just a personal level, uh, I mean, I think that's a, a great story. There are probably very few babies born uh, in flight. Uh, statistically, far more people die on board aeroplanes than are born on aeroplanes. <laughs> oh. And candidly, you know, when people die on board an aeroplane, it is obviously very sad and quite traumatic mm. for, for people travelling alongside. To have a baby born can equally pose great issues with regards to the medical welfare for the mum yeah, yeah. and, and the child and there's not a lot that you can do to s delay the process if baby's going to be born baby will be born yeah and um you know there's not an awful lot of uh, medical equipment and staff on board to deal with a premature baby so uh, i'm absolutely delighted that that haven was born successfully and seemingly doing well yeah. So Nev, Nev, a, a million air miles. What? What? I mean, you're the air mile uh, master here. What? What? Yeah. You know, what are the sort of things you could do with a million air miles? Oh, that, that could easily get get you a a pint of milk or or, or right. a, 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 a cheap watch, probably, knowing the way they've downgraded everything these oh, days, okay. unfortunately. Well, but yeah. um, no, I mean, yes, that you can do a lot with that, uh, certainly. Um, but of course, the thing is, only if you can find the flights that suit you, because all of this. Um, uh, mileage business is all very well but unfortunately uh, you're very limited to what flights you can take so if you want to take a nice what you think is going to be a nice uh, midday flight somewhere um, your points won't allow you, to, allow you to do that and very often it's uh, 6.30 in the morning instead oh, I, th uh, I thought these so points you get Nev you could just use whenever you like on whatever flight you like if only 
Oh, yeah. OK. Mine always seem to expire just before I actually end up having to use them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds um, about right. So, so yeah. what, what uh, points, man, are you, uh, Nev? What kind of points do you like to uh, accrue? Is it the BA ones? Yes, yeah, so on the BA thing. And uh, so that gives you what they call Avios points. OK. Um, and uh, you can also uh, earn points if you've got uh, an American Express BA card and things like that. Um, and I tend to use them actually to have discounted flights. So when you're booking a normal flight, like I did the other week to uh, Amsterdam for the uh, meetup over there, I was able to get some money off of my flight by using some of my Avios right. points as a, a discounted mm. fare. Uh, but it's not, I mean, you know, it's not fantastic, I've got to say, but it's some money off. It's, it's some beer money off. Really. Tony Essa suggested that you could probably buy a Costa Coffee at Heathrow with them. Right. <laughs> with a million points. Yeah, with yeah. a million points, yep. yeah, it sounds about right. Uh, I, mean, I mean, seriously, though, I mean, and we sort of alluded to this when we were chatting to, to Sam a couple of weeks back. Um, does, 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 has, has the value of, of Air Mars, now that flight in general is much, much cheaper, has, that, has it had that much of an effect on, on, on like the, the collecting of points? I think that there's no question about it that the, um, some European flying, of course, is a lot cheaper than it ever was. And I yeah. remember going back to the early 2000s when we used to do exhibitions in Geneva for example and yeah. it was only British Airways and Swiss Air that flew there and now there's EasyJet and, and Ryanair so that yeah. the um, that the cost is a lot less but it's the long haul stuff it's st it's really expensive even in the cheap seats um, really? you know uh, US flights South Africa mm. Far East Australia um, so all of the flights um, do you remember years ago you used to see um, uh, I know we've been going back probably 15 or 16 years but we used to see uh, 300 pound return flights to New York uh, from from the UK yeah. mm. well that's long gone isn't it really yeah, we've not seen that for years um, so the there is there are advantages to the Avios points thing but of course you've got to keep the status going so the moment you drop down a level so I'm on the silver status at the moment the moment I drop down to the bronze level I can no longer go in the lounge unless I've bought a business class ticket Oh, wow. So, you know, it's all very uh, weighed in favour of the airlines rather than the punter. Rather than the punter, right, yes. yeah. yeah. Which I guess we shouldn't be surprised about, and a, and a perk is a perk, I guess. But uh, as you say, it's a, if you have collected lots of points... I know, I know when, I, when I booked those, the booked the flights this week for on BA um, for our trip to Oman, they did, you know, when you went through the booking process, they flagged up a, a pop-up uh, if, I, if I got a BA credit card that I could earn a thousand points yeah. for this flight yes. on a on a BA credit card. I just clicked the no thanks button and carry yeah. on. Actually, t Tony's asked a good question in the chat room again. Do we still have to pay passenger duty in the UK? I think we do, don't we? Or is it only certain airports? Oh yes, passenger duty is still very much in play. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know. There's a tax at Norwich Airport, for example, which oh, I think yeah. is on top of that, where where you know, which is uh, trying to make the airport sort of better, which I think goes straight to the council, doesn't it? In, in our case, mm. I might be wrong. But well, th there's various levels of taxes and charge. You've got the uh, airport passenger duty, which is just mm. a straight government uh, charge, uh, and that is a function. Uh, it's tiered, and it depends on what class of travel mm. you're flying in and uh, where you're flying from and to, basically. I remember covering a story a very, very long time ago because the, the government did actually lower the... the I'm sure, is it they, they lower or increase it? They did something with it and it changed. They, they, they changed some of it. They also yeah. um, removed it uh, for children. That's right. That's what, yeah. yeah. Uh, very good, very good. Yes, they did that <laughs> about, uh, about two weeks after I travelled with my son. R right, yeah. OK, that sounds about right, yes. Um, so... <laughs> um, so yes, there there is uh, airport passenger duty. It's quite mm. a 
a stealth tax, I suppose I'd say, um, mm. but it's it's one of the major factors uh, in your ticket price. Um, and then, obviously, certain airports, like you, I think you were alluding to, um, Norwich levied additional sort of That's ten right. pounds. Yeah, ten pounds. And I think they did the same at Blackpool. Mm. Um, and uh, basically, I think uh, it was almost like uh, shooting your passengers in the foot because. Uh, <laughs> Uh, especially with regards to sort of, uh, you know, Norwich. I mean, Stansted's not that far away. No. And uh, people will go, well, yeah, you know, I've yeah. got the convenience of, of flying from my regional airport. This was the case in Blackpool. But, you know, stuff this, I'm not, you're not paying to, you know, have the porter cabin revamped. Well, it's, and it's, 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 as you say, Stansted is only about an hour and a half for us yes. from here. So you think, well, why don't we go? I mean, it seems daft in a lot of ways because it's only a, a, a... I think if... If there were decent flights available to you from Norwich, and I'm using Norwich, obviously, I'm sorry, there are other regional airports, but I'm using Norwich as the only one that I've sort of really tried well, to fly from. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's that sort of thing. If there was, if the flights, well, as I say, we were looking at uh, going out to, to Amsterdam, uh, to, to yeah. Amsterdam yeah. When, when they were yep. having their big meetup. Um, but it was just so it, unbelievably yeah, expensive. Three, I mean, and so you, pound, you've got to pay a £10 tax mm. for a really expensive flight. And, and, and it's a shame because I would much rather fly from Norwich if I could because you yeah. can get anyone to run you to Norwich from here because it's only 20 minutes. So, yeah, it's sort of 20 minutes, you yeah. know, so you can get, and it's, a, you know, it's a decent enough runway as we've discussed before to get a reasonable sized aircraft. Oh, yeah, in. seven fives flying there. Three, yeah. Uh, yeah three uh, but it just, you know, I just wish, I don't know what the answer is really. The, the, the problem is that, first of all, um, you do have Stansted relatively close, close behind. Yeah and uh, obviously have a very large airline that operates out of Stansted. So um, when you're looking at, say, for example, uh, Norwich, Amsterdam, uh, Norwich comes into play there because there'll be a lot of people, especially business people, who will be using Amsterdam as a hub to go on to the Far to East. Else, yeah. Now, if someone else is paying the bill, to a greater or lesser extent, it doesn't actually matter, and then convenience comes into play. Yeah. Um, it's why... For example, KLM operate to a lot of the UK's regional airports because they are simply linking into the, the Schiphol hub. Um, when it comes to developing traffic elsewhere uh, out of the regional airports, it's very, very difficult mm. because what you're trying to encourage is a route and then a decent revenue stream for an airline. So if you say, take, for example, Norwich, and you want to operate uh, your airline uh, or rather, the airport wants you to operate a flight to Malaga, for example. Yeah. So you're trying to encourage someone to do a Malaga route. How many people are going to fly from the Norwich area to Malaga, to Malaga uh, yeah. at a level that you can compete with Ryanair out of Stansted? Yeah, uh, yeah. and the, the sh short answer is there yeah. isn't going to be enough interest, essentially. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that is the difficulty. Mm. And then if you're going to then levy additional charges to those passengers mm. to, say, pay for, you know... Uh, the development of the airport, well, that's going to be very difficult for any airline because they're simply going to pass those charges on. Yeah. And that's what a lot of airlines did at Blackpool, for example, when the airport levied a charge. The airlines went, well, well, we'll pass that on, and if the passengers don't buy the tickets, then we'll pull the service. Yeah. And that's exactly and what happened. happened yeah. um, because you've always got that, that sort of uh, comparison with what can this do compared to operating Stansted yeah. Malaga. Mm. So is it going to earn more money uh, rather than just putting the aeroplane into Stansted and do another rotation to Malaga? Yeah. And if it doesn't, then it's not going to happen. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so moving on to our next story. This one is all for you, Nev. 
This is from the Mail Online in Australia, and it's about the Jetstar uh, air hostess who's going to sue the air, an airline after she injured her back whilst helping a passenger with oversized baggage. Oh dear. Brisbane woman Lysander Hooper was assisting a passenger to lift her hand luggage into the display size guide at Townville Airport <laughs> on August the 16th, 2013, when she was injured, the Courier Mail reports. The passenger lost her grip as they lifted the luggage. One side of the luggage dropped, jolting her upper body and causing injury to her lower back, uh, the lawyer told uh, Brisbane District Court last Friday. And uh, she required surgery to remove her L5-S1 disc, the paper reported, and Miss Hooper was unable to work after the injury and eventually ended up on the dole. The uh, Brisbane District Court granted her leave to sue on August the 12th and she started working for Jetstar in 2011 and became a flight attendant with the airline the following year, according to her LinkedIn page. Well, that's some sloppy reporting, isn't there? If, <laughs> yeah. ever, if ever there was some. Back to the media again. Yes, um, but the court files show Miss Hooper made a work cover claim in 1998 and the Daily Mail Australia has contacted Miss Hooper and her lawyer for comment. And obviously they haven't commented so far. Mm. Um, but uh, I was just going to, this is not directly related to this story, but I was going to just ask uh, Captain Al Yay. as well <laughs> about what is all this business about the carry-on luggage. We've oh. got to a situation now where we, the airlines encourage you not to check your luggage in. And if you do, there's quite often quite a high price penalty associated with it but of course when you check it in you put it on the scales and presumably that information goes onto the load sheet so you know roughly what you've got on in the hold baggage area but what about when people are carrying this heavy stuff on themselves does this get taken to, into well, account that's true yeah because because we don't weigh them do we well Ryanair do what what, what when the, they go over the when when they go in your overheads? Oh, they weigh them at the gate before Do you they? board. I've seen oh yeah, I've seen I've seen them at the brigade at Stansted weighing people's hand luggage with really? portable scales. Is that because it? Yeah, but presumably that's because it looks ridiculously heavy. Well, and some of them don't look heavy, but they have they've got the scales that they've, they've literally got some hand scales in one hand, mm. and in the other hand they've got a, a credit card chip and pin machine. Oh, okay, mm. <laughs> ching ching. <laughs> there are a couple of avenues here. Um, uh, as you've just pointed out, yeah, Ryanair um, impose a weight limit for uh, carry-on baggage, um, and uh, yeah, they, they will they will charge you extra uh, if it's over that because they'll say right, well that's too heavy and it now go, needs to go into the hold and it'll be treated as hold baggage. Um, going back to your original uh, question, though, uh, Nev, it's an interesting one. We uh, in the airline world work predominantly on notional weights. Or, or standard weights. So it will vary slightly from, from different parts of the world, but rather than weigh every passenger and every bag to come up with actual weights, um, we just work on the basis that a male passenger will weigh X amount, a female X amount, and, and bags will be X amount. Um, and that way then there is effectively a sufficient margin within all of the performance figures so that you don't actually have to have an absolute weight for your passengers and bags. Now on smaller flights, say down in the Channel Islands when you're going on a trilander and so forth, where there isn't the same scope or capability uh, within the aircraft performance, then you will actually be weighed. So uh, for us, uh, a male passenger weighs 88 kilos, 
uh, female passenger weighs 70 kilos. And if you're traveling within Europe, your suitcase weighs 13 kilos. And if you're traveling beyond Europe, it weighs 15 kilos. Now, you're going to say, well, that's all fine and dandy. But as you say, you've pitched up with your handbag. And it is just deemed by the aviation authorities that it's going to be factored into that 88 kilos. Um, so if we end up with a situation that quite often happens, um, because there just simply isn't enough hand baggage space, especially on sort of Friday afternoon flights where, you know, business people on business flights, you know, uh, you know are going home, so they've got, they've got their, their business briefcase, plus they've got their, their, their trolley bag, and if the flight's full, you're just not going to get everything into the hat bins, so they will go downstairs mm. um, into, the, into the baggage hold. Then they get treated as baggage, so your hypothetical zero kilo bag now goes into the baggage hold and it suddenly becomes a 13 kilo bag. But the nuts and bolts of it are, we work on, on notional figures and there is sufficient uh, safety margins built into the aircraft performance to allow uh, not to weigh everything. Now, as a final rider to that, if you had a situation, say, on a, a 320 where you suddenly find that 174 of your passengers, a full load, are all male rugby players, nah. <laughs> then you are allowed to go, right, well, this is exceptional, so we will now effectively uh, replace their weights. And you could do it one or two ways. You could arguably weigh everyone, but that, that's, that's pointless. You can just go, right, well, everybody looks about 105 kilos, so that's what we'll use. Um, so you are allowed to do that, but on a day-to-day -day basis, it's just easier to work on on those weights. Some people are going to be lighter, some mm. people are going to be heavier. But hopefully, some, hopefully it'll average out. It, it, it yeah. averages out, yeah. uh, and uh, that, that, that's the, the nuts and bolts of that. So hopefully that's answered your question. It has. Mm. Nicely done. Thank you. In fact, there's, again, sort of like the chat room sort of filled up. I don't think it's quite as common. Are you saying you've had... Uh, sorry, Carlos was saying that he'd had bags, you know, hand luggage carried way quite regularly. I've, I've never ever, I've never, ha personally mm. I've never had, I'm, admittedly I don't do anywhere near as much flying as everyone else, but um, I've never had hand luggage. Yeah, I mean, and, most airlines will have a weight limit for your carry-on uh, luggage for a variety of reasons. I mean, uh, if you were a uh, mm. coin collector, your hand luggage may well be a lot heavier mm. than the average person's hand luggage. Uh, and uh, a lot of airlines will either randomly or uh, exclusively weigh hand baggage just to make sure mm. not everyone necessarily uses it as a mechanism to tap you up yeah. for a few more quid uh, yeah. it's just to make sure that you're not uh, going to oversee the the weight limits for the uh, the overhead hat mm. bins as, uh, as an example because they, 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 they do have a finite structural weight limit yeah uh, Tony was saying that quite often the the uh, hand luggage has been weighed as, as far as they're concerned. Um, Evan Shu was saying not in Australia unless it looks overly large and heavy. Um, and uh, yeah, actually, Pitt was saying that they, they use a category of two hundred and twelve pounds per adult passenger, and that includes their luggage. All right, I thought it was a lot uh, more expensive to fly on Pip's aircraft than that, to be honest. <laughs> All right, I'll give it a go next time the Evans family going on holiday. I meant wait, stop it. Uh, and uh, Masha was saying that quite often flies with um, Ryanair and never actually had their carry-on weighed uh, before. So it's quite, you know... Sort no, of I think they just randomly choose a yeah, flight. Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I can't speak specifically for, for Ryanair. No. Um, but I know that uh, some airlines of a similar nature will have agreements with the uh, their handling company uh, that any 
sort of at the gate charges that they can recoup, uh, the handling company keep. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Blimey. I'd encourage them to be a little bit more vigilant. Well, absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, Nev, one of the things I noticed when I was booking the flights of BA was that on their site, I couldn't find anything to say what the weight limit was for carry-on, hand luggage of BA. I, I, I could find a size dimensions um, uh, bit on their, their website that tells you how big your hand luggage can be, but couldn't see any weight limit for their hand luggage on BA, is that? I think there is a weight limit, but the, mm. uh, what I like about BA, there's a lot of discretion used and sensible behaviour at the check-in desk or at the gate. Um, clearly, when someone's trying to bring stuff onto the aircraft, which is... <laughs> seriously overweight or seriously large mm. then something's got to be done something about it i would say but generally speaking the check-in gates people and of course these aren't always ba staff these are often subcontract sub mm. third-party yeah. companies but there's generally speaking a, a level of sensible uh, behavior there mm. um but um i do have to say that when i've been flying in the u.s the amount of very large carry-on bags that are being brought onto the aircraft um and and of course, you know, if there's a big moment, you know, a big turbulence moment, moment possibly in one of those overhead bins isn't quite locked properly, um, the weight of these things, you know, can do a lot of damage to people. No, no question about it. Certainly, with uh, with regards to, to British Airways, uh, I can uh, substantiate that when. Uh, uh, when Mrs. Al checked in her suitcase to come back from New York a, a few years back, uh, I did point out to the, the, the agent at check-in that it was a little heavy, and that's because I couldn't actually lift it. And uh, <laughs> when they put it on the scales and it weighed at 38 kilos... Wow! <laughs> now, I will point out this was a hold bag, not a carry-on bag. Right, okay. um, they went, hmm, OK, yeah, that's fine. Um, so that they did apply a degree of discretion there as well. Wow. Uh, rather interestingly, in uh, the chat room here, Pippa suggested that actually the way he measures things uh, is by... Uh, he, he gives them a big bear hut, and if he can lift them, they can board, which I think is an uh, unusual approach to uh, allowing people... <laughs> but what Pip does in his own time, obviously, is none of our business. Uh, <laughs> anyway, should we, should we move on to the next story? Yeah, move on yeah. to the next... Oh, by, but before we go, uh, where's your segment this week, Pip? Anyway, moving on oh. to the next uh, part of the <laughs> <Hello>. show. <laughs> or the next story, I should say. On the... Uh, uh, the Globe and Mail site this one. The headline, uh, the airline pyjama battle heats up in first class. I'm, I didn't realise that there was a pyjama battle. What? So the world's <laughs> premium airlines have rushed to make its first and business class cabins pleasure domes of comfort. Champagne, caviar, celebrity chefs and seats that recline 180 degrees into beds are now mandatory uh, if you're going to compete for the Globe's top uh, trotters. Uh, the less visible in, uh, industry trend now accompanies these high-tech thrones and the battle for supremacy is just as fierce and the airlines have gone to war over your pyjamas. Passengers riding in the premium cabins want to deplane looking crisp and fresh, says James Bradbury Boyd, a spokesman for Singapore Airlines, which has made its sleepwear an integral part of its in-flight service for at least 20 years. Um, they are flying uh, many of the world's longest distances and duration flights, and many of those flights are overnight flights, he said. It's simply practical in order to help passengers arrive in better shape for them to be better able to change out of their clothes. 
Following years of uh, financial duress, U.S. carriers have also begun touting sleepwear as an amenity to, in their aim to get even closer to the big leagues of lavish service uh, in which Middle A or which Asian and Middle Eastern carriers hold the sway. Those airlines have long considered leisure apparel uh, de rigueur, uh, whatever that is in French. I wasn't managed in French at school, but anyway. De rigueur. Oh, yeah. Did you do anything at school? Vogue. <laughs> anyway, very good. It's <laughs> a trendy monsieur. <laughs> Uh, almost Vous every <laughs> almost every airline chooses cotton for its sleepwear fabric, and most uh, such as Singapore have made their apparel presentation and part of their pre-bed ritual, mm. which includes pillows, duvets, and turn-down services mm. to replicate a posh hotel experience. The pajamas, which can be purchased on eBay and other sites for a tidy sum, are also meant to complement the high-tech seating now found in all premium cabins. Uh, pleasure centers almost cost uh, airlines upward of 500,000 uh, US dollars each year. Uh, some uh, of these seats offer massage and rec uh, recline fully flat. And, uh, well, I've had an experience of that on Emirates, which is quite nice, I must say. Um, but uh, Delta has pajamas on their flights to China in their Delta One cabin. And uh, just reading through, it, it carries, the story carries on, but, you know. I mean, this is something that, that uh, unless you fly business class or first class, you're not, not going to get one of these amenity me. kits. No, with, no. But um, <laughs> we, we, we did get one of these with Virgin back in February this year, um, courtesy of uh, Captain Nick, who very kindly um, uh, mentioned, put a good word in for us. But um, I must say... And, that and the, they let you on despite that. Yeah, good, the, yeah. the Virgin, actually the Virgin, uh, Virgin Atlantic pyjamas are, are lovely. Me and, me yeah, and my I've wife have still got ours upstairs. Yeah, yeah they're, they're very comfortable. And actually on a, on a much uh, more practical level, if you are especially overnight travelling uh, long haul in uh, business or first, the opportunity to take your, you know, your trousers and your shirt off and just slip into what effectively is a, you know, a long sleeve t-shirt and a pair of jogging pants and, and to sleep in something far more comfortable uh, whilst not causing some sort of diplomatic incident whilst walking around the cabin in the middle of the night uh, it, it's great and uh, you know that the, there are certain benefits for it and uh, yeah they, they do last quite long uh, the Virgin Atlantic <laughs> ones do um, I've got uh, numerable pairs of British Airways uh, lounge pants that uh, or lounge suits as they call them uh, and that, that they make great uh, Great uh, outfits for uh, grouting okay. your bathroom in. Right, splendid. A bit, bit like what Pip did with our T-shirt <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He grouted yeah. the bathroom when, in. When uh, um, Captain Jeff flew over <laughs> to Heathrow on Acme, uh, they gave him a nice amenity kit. Good. Uh, most of the contents of which Mrs. Nev has now got. Okay. Actually, <laughs> I, have, I have used the uh, the container for all my jack plugs and connectors. Uh, as very he very kindly donated that to me. Excellent. So uh, mm. nicely done, very Captain practical. Jeff. I like it. Yes, yeah, in my in my uh, flight case for work, you'll see various sort of like pencil case looking devices. There are amenity kit bags off various airlines that uh, I've snaffled along the way. Right. Okay. Good. Yes. Yeah. I, I think some of these amenity kits you, that you see, I mean, they they are they do hold some quite nice uh, bits and pieces, really. Mm. Uh, I think if I remember rightly, if you travel first class with Emirates, the the actual amenity kit. Uh, if you were to buy the, the sort of toiletries that are in the bag, uh, would cost you in excess of £400. Uh, Jeff has a minor complaint, by the way, saying, are you not mailing that back? By yeah, the way. Well, yeah. I'm sorry, Jeff, you've lost that now, sir. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it's gone now, it's not happening. Yeah. So, so what, uh, what, what amenity kits do you offer on Royal Jet, Al? Um, we used to offer a, uh, an amenity kit to our premium uh, passengers uh, when we did the long-haul product, uh, which was, off the top of my head, a pair of socks, some earplugs, a blindfold, some toothpaste, a toothbrush, 
uh, a pen. Um, a pen? Well, <laughs> you see, quite often when you're traveling long haul, you have uh, documents to fill out for customs and immigration. Oh, okay. Oh, right. So actually, yeah, a pen is a remarkably yes, useful yeah. piece of equipment. Yeah. Um, and I think that was uh, basically it. Um, these days, uh, we do offer uh, a fleece and a blindfold. Right. Okay. Oh, I like the fleece idea. That, mm-hmm. That's a nice idea. Yeah, I like yeah. that, yeah. yeah. I see. Can can you request a larger than hell size? Uh, <laughs> I, I could sense one size fits all. <laughs> oh, right, I, could, okay. I could sense a, 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 a prize there for the Christmas draw or for the Christmas uh, competition. Right. Royal okay. Jet yeah. Fleece. Right. Yeah, yeah. Good luck. Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the so the last the last uh, story, last yeah. news story actually uh, we're going to let Al do this one because you you uh, picked this one up for us, Al. Oh, is yeah. this the one um, that uh, I told you about? Uh, okay. It's yeah. actually it's actually about a, an airline, a, a bud, low low cost mm. airline, budget airline here. Yeah, based out of Luton. Mm, based out of Luton. Mm. Um, okay. Pip's favourite uh, airport. Yes, indeed. Uh, this comes from uh, oh, where, where did I say it came from? Now, oh, oh the Money Week uh, in the website. Telegraph, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, and, uh, it's uh, bids and deals. Uh, EasyJet takeover talk has wings. Shares in the budget airline EasyJet have bounced on rumours that it could be a takeover target after several weeks of bad news. Britain's vote to leave the European Union sent the firm into a tailspin. Good journalism. <laughs> A sharp drop in the pound has made it more expensive for British travellers to travel abroad while inflating the company's fuel costs, which are priced in dollars. Right. (laughs) There are also questions about EasyJet's headquarters, which are in Luton. Airlines based in Britain could be blocked from Europe's Open Skies Agreement, which restricts foreign airlines from landing at EU airports. The company reported a drop in full-year sales last month to £1.2 billion, blaming terrorist attacks in Turkey and France and a strike by air traffic controllers. Chief Executive Carolyn McCall has said it's the toughest aviation environment since she rose to the post six years ago. She has slashed prices by 6% to 10% to stimulate bookings, but EasyJet's difficulties could add up to a bargain for acquirers. Rumours have swirled around the city that EasyJet could be gobbled up by a private equity fund, says Tara Cunningham in the Daily Telegraph. EasyJet's founder, Stelios, still has a 33% stake, so his preference will be crucial. But buyout specialist Grable is making moves. The shares are tempting, airlines are cyclical, and things probably can't get much worse for EasyJet. See, now I'm, I'm missing it because this story came as a bit of a surprise to all of us. So we sort of missed it. He sort of missed it on the initial news wires and stuff. I mean, I, I mean, are they? Re- I can't imagine that EasyJet are really in trouble as such. I mean, it might just be that, as you, as you say, they're a PLC company. Therefore, you know, essentially, if you've got enough money, anyone can buy it. But you know, it's yeah. Just... I mean, Stellos retains thirty-three percent. Mm. That uh, therefore implies that the remainder is uh, is openly traded. Yeah. So if. Uh, uh, and I don't know what the EasyJet share price is, but if we say, for example, that you bought shares at £5 yeah. and they're now sitting at £3, if someone offers you £3.50, right. you may well go, you yeah, take it, I'll, yeah, I'll take that now, yeah. thanks very much. And therefore a takeover essentially commences if, yes. if you buy enough shares. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Just looking on the uh, the site here for, for, for EasyJet, their fleet, um, which uh, is obviously Airbus, 
uh, aircraft. Absolutely. Be, obviously. Makes Two, reliability. 233 <laughs> aircraft currently in service with EasyJet, uh, the A319s and the A320s, but they've got no um, A320 Neos yet. They've got, they've got them on order, though. They've got 130 mm. of those on order, Al. You'd be yep. pleased to know. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to actually see how the... 320 stroke 321 neos pan out against the uh, the 73 maxes actually um it's going to be a real battle over the claimed fuel burns versus the actual, actual fuel, fuel burns, burns yeah. and uh boeing are very very confident that uh, they will see the the fuel burn reductions that uh, that they're claiming for the max right. so it will will be Interesting to see how that pans out. Also, wouldn't be the first time where a manufacturer has made certain claims about fuel or potential fuel burns only to find that they have been exceeded and actually the operators then go back to the manufacturers um, for a bit of a handout. Uh, I think that's happened on just about every aircraft that I've come (laughs) in contact with, really, because... uh, uh, it's very, very similar to uh, buying a, a car where the, the salesperson in the showroom says, oh, yeah, it does, you know, 85 miles to the yeah, gallon. Yeah. And you go, brilliant. Should we go for a ride then? Yeah. And then you come back and it's done 39. You say, oh, yeah, well, I was in, you know, test environment, yeah, yeah, you know, environment, with yeah. the wind behind it and, you yeah, know. Yeah, the computer had been jiggled with so that it, it told lies, lies to the machine. Yeah, absolutely. He That's says th- not being too scandalous. Yeah, yeah. Al, Al uh, Royal Jet have got, uh, obviously, they've got the A320s and the A321s. Yes. Uh, according to their site, you, they're replacing the 320s uh, with 737 Maxes. Uh, they've got 30 on order, which should be delivered in the second quarter of 2018. Is that going to affect you at all? You know, yeah, in uh, regards to what you fly. I mean, are you going to are you going to transition to the to the max, or are you going yeah, to stay I, with the I will point? eventually transition to the max. Uh, I'm aiming to stay on the Airbus for a little while because there will be a, a transitionary period. Um, but that's only because I just like eating my food off the table <laughs> and not my lap. Um, when it actually comes down to the nuts and bolts of it. Um, candidly, I'm a pilot by profession, so I don't really have a, an input onto which tools I'm given to use. Uh, so I'll use whichever tools uh, my employer uh, provides me, uh, and I, I will fly what, what they tell me to fly. Um, part of me is actually looking forward to the arrival of the, uh, the 7.3 Maxis, um, because although the airframe itself hasn't changed very much, the, the avionics, the toys on the flight deck, as it were, mm. are, are very state-of-the-art. It's going to be a more uh, sophisticated avionics package than the, than the Dreamliner. So we will be able to do a lot more very snazzy things in it and take it to uh, certain airfields that have always been a little bit of a, a challenge with uh, regards to poor weather, say for example, um, Innsbruck springs to mind. Mm. Uh, uh, York, York is saying in the chat room actually that he flew the A320 Neo a few times uh, for, th- with uh, Lufthansa. It actually says it's a lot quieter than the old one. Yeah. Um, the, the old 320 with the CFM uh, engine. 56s, yeah. Yeah, is, is, is a reasonably um, noisy aeroplane. Certainly in, yeah. the, in the, the takeoff and climb phase, it gets quite quieter. When and the other cruise. question isn't, isn't the Neo using the geared turbofan? It is, yes. is it? Now, what, what does that mean, sorry, to, to Mr. Layman here? Having a clue. Okay, right, I'm sorry I asked. Uh, <laughs> okay, so anyone, somebody look that up for me and, uh, and fill me in. Uh, what we're going to do now, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the commercial aviation section for this week. Uh, we've got our last uh, interview from the Royal International Air Tattoo at Fairford and uh, this was with the uh, display pilot Gizmo.
Gizmo, yeah. Uh, Gizmo. Yeah. The F-16. Uh, the F-16. Now, he's talking Don't about the Don't let him go out in the wet, will he? No, no. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, otherwise they'll be... Don't feed him after midnight. No, goodness me, no. Anyway, uh, that's a terrible thing. We didn't mean that, Gizmo, if you are listening to this. I should just say that although he's talking about the A6, the, the F-16, sorry, he, we did do the interview on an A400M, and no, that's why... No, this video, C-130J. Oh, the C-130J, I'm sorry. It wasn't an A400M. <laughs> we sat here and discussed uh, I know, I know, and show, I forgot. Man. So, no, that's what oh. confused me. So, it, it is the C-130J that... And we, yes, because you were even impressed, because I remember that it was a yeah, J. I yeah, know, yeah, I know. Absolutely. So, yes, so the video footage was actually taken on a, on a C-130J, so that's why there's video footage of that. So, uh, if you're ready, it's, as I say, it's our last interview from the Royal International Air Tattoo. Okay, back again at the Royal International Air Tattoo, RAF Fairford in Gloucestershire, and uh, we've been very lucky indeed to join the F-16 solo display pilot, Gizmo, and uh, he's with the Belgian Air Force, and uh, I was lucky to see the uh, Gizmo flight last year at the Malta International Air Show. So, Gizmo, welcome onto the show. Welcome. Thanks. So, Gizmo, what's, uh, what's your, your role? What, you're, you're obviously the solo display pilot. Uh, what's the F-16 like uh, to fly as a, as, a, as a stunt sort of aircraft as such? Well, people might think it's getting a little bit of old, but it's still a hi highly performant aircraft, highly maneuverable, very agile, plenty of power. So, actually, it's a real fun aircraft to display in front of a crowd because you can really uh, enjoy flying at low speed, high speed, highly maneuverable. It's really fun. Great. And this is your first time at Riyadh? Have you been before in previous years? It's actually uh, my second year as a display pilot performing at Riyadh. Ah, oh, great. Yeah, like I said, I saw your display at, at say, Malta, and that was fantastic to see. Some of the, uh, the moves you maneuvers you pull were great. Does is that, is that take a, a lot of training to, uh, to learn to, for all those maneuvers you do? Actually, most of the maneuvers are standard maneuvers that are learned throughout basic flight training. Uh, we're not used to doing them uh, in such a short sequence with an F-16. We use a lot of these maneuvers during combat. So it's just a matter of training to uh, put them all in a sequence nice and fluently and keep them centered on a display center and uh, getting used to the low-level environment and the performance of the jet at 500 feet. Oh, that's amazing. I said the display you do is great. You, are you doing a display here at Riyadh this year? Yeah, we've been displaying here on Thursday rehearsal, and then we've been displaying on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So the F-16 you fly, is it modified at all, or is it a standard F-16? It's a pretty standard F-16. The only modification that is done is that it's uh, painted uh, with the paint scheme just to uh, stand out a little bit. And it's monitored for fatigue, so I always use the same aircraft. But for the rest, it's a standard uh, F-16. With the only change that we put smoke winers on the tips instead of uh, missiles or other weaponry. Okay, so in the uh, Belgian Air Force, do you have a role in the Air Force as well, apart from the display flying? Yeah, display flying is actually a secondary job. Uh, so my primary job is uh, I'm being the wing flight safety officer for Klanenvogel Air Base during week, and display flying is something for during the weekends. Oh, great. So a bit about your, your background then, Gizmo, your career. How did it all start for you, the, the, the passion for flying aviation? Uh, I was always interested in uh, air shows. Uh, as a child, I was going to air shows as well. Then I started uh, glider flying at the age of 15 back in 93. Joined the Air Force in 96. Uh, went on to fly uh, C-130s initially. Afterwards, I was an instructor on the Marchetti, a basic instructor plane. And in 2005, uh, I joined the uh, OCU, the Operational Conversion Unit, in Kleine Hogel to do my conversion on the F-16. From there on, I went to 3-1 Squadron uh, Tigers in Kleinerbrogel, 
uh, where I went through all the uh, steps uh, growing up as a element lead, flight lead, force lead, tactical instructor, strike qualification, and uh, FCF pilot. And then uh, afterwards in 2013, I moved on to become the wing flight safety officer. So it must be quite a different to go, difference to go from flying the C-130, which we're currently sitting on now, to flying the F-16. That must be a, a, a real a difference between the two aircraft. There's quite some difference, but uh, each aircraft has its own particularities, and uh, they're both fun to fly. So, Do you have a favourite out of any of the aircraft you've flown? Well, the F-16 will remain always my favourite. Okay, so we, it's a question we ask uh, before we before we round up. Then Gizmo, we ask all our, the pilots we interview, and uh, for the show. And if you had the choice of fly, to fly any aircraft in the world, uh, flying or retired, what would be your your aircraft of choice? Pretty much the F-16. Although I would like to have a turn at some of the uh, old timers, like a P-51. I'd love flying on one of these. Yeah, a lot of the lot of the pilots say the P fifty one or the Spitfire. So it's a popular popular aircraft, I think. One of two, one of both. <laughs> Great. So, what's the future hold for you, Gizmo? What uh, what plans you got for the future? Uh, I'll do another season after this one as a display pilot, and after that, uh, we'll see. Oh, great. Well, wish you all the best for the future, Gizmo. It's been great uh, to talk to you today, and and thanks for your time on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. We're back. We are indeed. I hope you all enjoyed that. The last of the interviews that we took at the uh, Royal International Air Tattoo RF Fairford. That was, that was a great weekend, wasn't it? We it was, yeah. We great, had fun great there. Fun. Absolutely. I mean, we, we met uh, Captain Al that weekend yeah, as well. Indeed, didn't he, we? he popped up somewhere from there, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we had, uh, had a good weekend. That was uh, thoroughly enjoyable. So uh, we have got uh, a little segment that's been mm. sent in. Now this is slightly our fault, isn't it? What this is because we were talking. Uh, those who were watching last week, well, what, was it last week or the week before? Anyway, we were talking about um, flight safety videos, weren't we? And we were talking about the videos. Um, honestly, he's, you like highlighting the fact that Sorry. I've chosen the uh, wrong. Are they camera, available don't you? from sa- for sale on the uh, Plane Talking UK? Uh, <laughs> 
They ought to be. We ought to we do ought something. To, yeah, yeah, we ought to do something. We're going to have to work out. Anyway, sorry, for those of you on. listening, uh, that was actually, he was holding up his Plain Talking UK mug. That's why why we're having the laugh and the joke at, uh, at my expense, because I'd chosen the wrong camera. Uh, right, yes. So, uh, yes, we were talking about um, aviation. Um, Fortunately, you didn't choose my camera. No, I did briefly <laughs> and then turned it off. Uh, we've got uh, a, a section that, uh, that the lovely Micah has sent us. And as I say, we were talking about how we think that Micah ought to be the one that everyone hears uh, when we're talking about um, the, uh, the the flight safety information or instructional video that uh, the story that we were reading out was talking about doing. And obviously, it was Air New Zealand that are quite famous yeah, for doing yeah, uh, Air New Zealand, so, yeah. some really amazing ones. And yeah, we, they've we've done some th- naked ones, haven't they, uh, which grabs everyone's attention? Uh, probably, yes. I think they, no, they have. I, th- I think they really, yes, really have. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, they okay. have genuinely right. to try and grab everyone's attention on the Certainly street. Certainly grabbed mine. Well, indeed, indeed. But uh, before we, we get into trouble... We several we'll be, times. Yeah, indeed. So we're going to move uh, on to, as I say, uh, Micah is very... I'm I'm rambling now because panic has set in. Uh, maybe you should Zoomed take over because I've, st- I've, st- I've stopped. I so can't then, talk anymore. So <laughs> what we asked, uh, what we asked uh, Micah to do last week was to send us in his his own version of what what we should all hear uh, on board uh, an aircraft when they do the uh, the pre-flight uh, briefing. Yeah. So uh, we're going to hand things over to Micah. Hello, Carlos and Matt, and all Plane Talking UK listeners. Well, you asked for. A potential safety briefing from me and here's what I came up with let's see if you think this would make any difference if a safety briefing like this was used on board well let's say an Acme flight here we go good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome okay okay let's try this again hey everyone pay attention look up take your headphones off or out of your ears I'm talking to you okay that's better thank you Now leave those headphones off until we're cruising at 10,000 feet. We'll let you know. You need to maintain situational awareness during takeoff in case of an emergency. So now that you can hear me, welcome aboard Acme Flight 13 to Manchester, New Hampshire. Just to be clear, this is Acme Flight 13 to Manchester, New Hampshire. If anyone on board is traveling to Manchester, Lancashire in England, please disembark now. If you remain on board, you'll be in for a big surprise upon arrival in New Hampshire. Now, a few safety details before we depart. First, flying is inherently safe, far safer than driving. But bear in mind that although we do our best here at Acme to make you as comfortable as possible, we can't suspend Newton's laws of motion. So pay attention to this safety briefing, not just for yourself and for your safety, but for the safety of your fellow passengers and the crew. First, if you haven't figured it out, Your seatbelt operates like this. Now that you know how to use it, put it on, low and tight around your lap. And do not take it off until we have stopped at the gate in Manchester, New Hampshire. Yes, there will be times when the seatbelt sign light is off, but that means you may use the restroom if you have to. It does not mean you can take off your seatbelt while you're in your seat. Hey, 23D, did you hear me? Thank you, 23D. That Nerf ball that you just felt hit you in the head, It demonstrates Newton's first law of motion. Often referred to as the law of inertia, Newton's first law of motion states that an object at rest stays at rest and an object in motion stays in motion at the same speed and in the same direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. 23D, your forehead was that unbalanced force. So do I have your attention now? Now had that Nerf ball been buckled in, it wouldn't have been able to leave my hand and become a projectile. So as long as you remain buckled in, 
you won't become a projectile either. Next, if due to an emergency, we experience a sudden decompression and the oxygen masks drop here from the ceiling, put the mask on right away. Then gently tug at the tube and activate the flow. Don't worry if you can't feel airflow or if the bag doesn't inflate, the oxygen is flowing. Only after your mask is on should you try to help others. If you wait to activate your own oxygen, you'll pass out, and that's not helpful to anyone. Now take a look around and note your closest exits. Count the rows to those exits and remember that number. Understand that your closest exit may not be in front of you. Only open or you if instructed by a crew member. Also, in the event of an emergency evacuation, get out of the airplane. Leave everything behind. Taking a bag will slow you down and may be the cause of your death or the death of someone else. If we call for an emergency evacuation, it means your life is in danger. Do not be concerned about material possessions at that time. Just get out of the plane. Two more things, and we can get going. In the event of a water landing, the seat cushions can be used to aid you in flotation. Also, there are inflatable life vests under your seat. They go on like this. Now here's the important part about these life vests. If we land in the water, do not inflate the life vests until you're off the aircraft. If the aircraft fills with water during evacuation and you have inflated your life vest, you will float to the top of the cabin and not be able to get out the exit door and you will drown. So only inflate the life vests after you're outside of the aircraft. Now remember, the likelihood of any of these things happening is slim. But remember the beginning of this when I mentioned the term situational awareness? That's what it's all about. Be aware of your surroundings. Keep yourself and your fellow passengers and your crew safe. So although you're not in your living room, please sit back and enjoy your flight. We'll try to make it as comfortable as possible for you. That's it. What do you think? Probably won't fly. Well, if I were to say that, I certainly wouldn't fly. But that's my safety briefing. For Plane Talking UK, here in Portland, Maine, this is your main man, Micah. Well, I'd oh. like to hear that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well yeah. done. Yeah. Well yeah. done, yeah. Micah. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Very good. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. No, actually, that would be a good uh, announcement, I think. Mm. That would definitely make people... Um, yeah, I, I like how he started off like, ladies and gentlemen, you know, please, you know, and then sort of like actually, you know, pull your headphones out, sit bolt upright, shut up get stuck in listen because i think i think I, I, I think as we were saying with, with the time you know with that actual story when we were reading it out people are so sort of complacent almost they because they assume they know it all mm. already oh, you yeah. know because they maybe they've, they've been lucky enough that they've flown quite a lot and they don't sort of they sort of assume that they know exactly what's going to be said in said safety briefing mm. and i'm and guessing uh, on on royal jet al your briefing uh, briefings are still given by the by the cabin crew uh, yeah, absolutely. The way it works in the United Kingdom is the air navigation order uh, requires the commander of any aeroplane to issue a safety briefing, mm -hmm. uh, and then basically that can be delegated. So when the cabin crew are issuing the safety brief, uh, it is done for the commander of the aeroplane. Right. And that's why the safety brief will always be done after everybody's on board. Right, yeah, okay. Uh, Once the doors are locked, essentially, and you're not going to get... Yeah, because else. everybody, every passenger uh, has to be briefed. So if right. you did the safety brief when there were still some passengers yeah. yet to board, uh, then they wouldn't be briefed. Do so. you have a, like a pre-recorded thing that's played out, or is it done by the, the person holding the, uh, the it, intercom? It varies. Um, just at the moment, uh, it is done by one of the cabin crew reading it out, and the remainder of the cabin crew hmm. uh, pointing out... Whether 
where the exits are and how to put your seatbelt on. Yeah. Candidly, if you can't operate a seatbelt, then mm. I have some questions about whether you should actually be on the aeroplane at all now, the and out I, in the open. The only thing I'm going dis- to not disagree with you, but just comment, comment there, because it is a slightly unusual method of, it's not like your seatbelt in your car. So the buckle for me, the very first time I got on a plane, if, if, if it's the first time that you've ever flown on an aircraft, the buckle isn't as straightforward as perhaps you, you Was might. this your precursor to going, Miss, Miss, I need help with my seatbelt, please, it's in my lap? <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not going to answer that one. Uh, because they have heard that one <laughs> before. They? Right, damn it. I do take that on board, yeah. but yeah, the, the, the safety yeah. brief... Um, is is pretty standard. Mm. Uh, Many, many years ago when I used to fly on the Jetstream 41, which is a 29-seat turboprop, Mm. um, the cabin crew, it was a single cabin crew person, and they would uh, have a choice of methods of delivering the safety brief. Uh, They could either have like a Madonna-style headset (laughs) and they would read it and do, or quite often they'd ask the first officer if they would uh, read it. Um, and one of the uh, little things that we used to do, uh, bearing in mind that we were on the flight deck behind a door and they were in the cabin, yeah. so there was no line of sight, is we would reorder the sequence of events in the safety brief. <laughs> so, just, to, just to keep them on their toes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, uh, Watch what, them scrabbling for another piece of equipment. Absolutely. <laughs> so just as they're about to put the life jacket on, we yeah. would mention the drop-down marks. Right, good. Lovely. And also we had the ability to vary the speed of delivery of right. said... okay, <laughs> Uh, now, of course, um, that's not very nice. W- once, uh, <laughs> once you've done that uh, a few times, the pain that you experience from your cheek yeah, right. as it's smarting from the slap <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. you've had, you've quite <laughs> rightly received <laughs> from yeah, the uh, feisty uh, cabin crew member, <laughs> yes. will remind you that uh, you can't do that on a regular basis <laughs> no, unless just... you want to enter the forfeits game. Right. No, no, that's 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 a subject matter for perhaps a late night version of this show. The uh, issue that I, the other question I was going to ask you actually, Al, how do you feel about it just being? Un- and I appreciate not all flights have in-flight video, yep. but say every aircraft had video put into it. And I know certainly with the flights that I've been on where they've had the, the headrest like TVs and stuff and you can override what that person is seeing. To do. I mean, how would you feel about it being a video-only presentation with regard to the safety briefing? As opposed to audio and video, so... Well, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean audio and video, so right. it's played out and it comes out, but okay. I mean, rather well, than the cabin crew doing it, doing, essentially, yeah. Right. Well, video. Yeah, I mean, a lot of airlines do use uh, uh, the video in a seatback TV to do the safety right. briefing. Right, OK. Uh, in, in, uh, as a matter of course... However, you do need to point out where your nearest exit is. Right. So unless you can tailor the presentation in your seatback TV to where you are set... <laughs> wow, that, so is an, that is a serious networking challenge well, to I was be able say, to do so, that. So yeah. you're now up to 400 video streams. Yes. Okay, yes. Uh, you're yeah. still going to require someone to actually point, point out to where the exits exit. are. So they're still going to be involved in... They still have to be involved Absolutely. in... Absolutely. And I know some airlines who, as a matter of course, uh, do the video demo... Uh, either as a standard operating procedure or just um, sort of on the whim of the purser or in-flight supervisor will we'll say, right, today we're doing a manual demo mm-hmm. so that everyone is still au fait with how it goes. Okay, right. And uh, I think at, uh, at Acme Red, they do it on a certain day of the week or a certain day of the right. month. Okay. So that day is designated manual demo. So manual everyone demo it, day, yeah. It okay. is, is uh, just up mm. to speed on how to do it. But you, you don't, with, with the exception of the, the exit element to it, you don't have a problem with it being sort of mainly a video presentation? Uh, absolutely not, no. Uh, and... 
Um, as long as it's been done well, of course. The, yes, the I mean, um, one of the benefits that you can do with a video uh, demonstration is it can be subtitled for multi-language. Uh, yeah. So, for example, um, if you're flying to Spain, you can have Spanish subtitles. Yeah. Um, equally, it can be subtitled in English for those who are hard of hard hearing. Of hearing yeah. uh, and finally, we do have uh, Braille safety cards on the aeroplane okay. well, for yeah, passengers cool. who are blind or... Uh, partially yeah, of sighted. course, I hadn't thought. Yeah, of course, yeah. You've got to cut. You've got to literally cover all bases. Mm -hmm. uh, One of the things I've asked Jeff on his show, Al, many years or a year ago at least, uh, when and he's still working his way around he's, to your feedback. No, 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 no. <laughs> he hasn't gone that far yet. Yeah. He actually asked, answered the feedback quite quickly. But <laughs> one of the things I personally enjoy, and I'm sure pretty much everyone in the chat room will enjoy, when you board an aircraft and you obviously the the, the flight crew introduce themselves up the front, you and your first officer. You yes. know that that hearing your voice and you know explaining where we're going to go and how high this and that we're going to go and mm. blah blah and how long it's going to be before we get to somewhere that's important to me. I enjoy that, but a lot of airlines that I've flown with that's all you hear until you land. They don't do any more talking during the flight to say, well, look, if you look out your window now, you can see Bob's house. Okay, um, good old Uncle do, Bob. Are you a great uh, are you a great believer in chatting to the to the you know the Obviously, during a day, if it's appropriate, like, if it's appropriate. Yeah, I mean. for me, it falls into the category of horses for courses. Um, the the flying that I do is uh, primarily leisure flying, so a lot of the passengers' feedback to me when we point out things along the way, um, you know, and I I'll you know maybe do one or two announcements during the course of the flight uh, if there's anything to see. Is they enjoy that element just like mm. you've described? Yeah. Um, if you're on a say, uh, you know, uh, a business flight where you know the passenger uh, makeup is predominantly business people, candidly they're not interested in whether you can no. see the Eiffel okay. Tower or not. Right. Yeah. That, that's um, sorry. Yeah. yeah. No. Because um, they, they've flown over it a hundred thousand times. Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah. Um, but when we used to fly down to to Egypt quite a lot, um, the number of people who were regular travellers to say Sharm el Sheikh or Haggadah. Um, would say to me, thanks very much for pointing out the pyramids. We've never known where they are well, or where to see are, them. Yeah. And, and actually, you might think, well, pyramids, they're dead easy spot. They're actually incredibly difficult from to up spot there from the are. air, yeah. uh, unless you know specifically where you are. Yeah. Um, now, of course, the flip side to that is, is that um, some people will be you know, listening to the, you know, the entertainment, their own, own entertainment or the in-flight entertainment, and you're interrupting that. Yeah. So um, it is an element of horses for courses. When I used to do long-haul flights, uh, I've made very little in the way of announcements during the course of it because you're disturbing the film and yeah, you know okay. and that, that's annoying for a lot of people yeah. and candidly when you're flying across the Atlantic there's not a lot to point out anyway no. um, I did a one trip where we pointed out some very large icebergs um, off the coast of Greenland okay. um, which candidly we don't see very often right. uh, free floating icebergs um, and that's probably about the only occasion that I did that. So, and I wouldn't do it at night because people are trying to sleep. Trying to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's that's nice to hear. But uh, even as a nervous passenger, like I mean, as as we've discussed before, I mean, as a nervous passenger, I've, I, it's actually quite nice for even from my point. I I can't bring myself to look out of the window, but it's nice to know that that's where I am and what I'm flying over. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, it goes. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a traditionalist, and I'm also trying to um, be involved in steering my professional. Uh, back a little bit so mm. that we're not just um, you know considered to be glorified uber taxi drivers <laughs> um, I don't think you'd ever be considered that uh, well in, in the eyes of some passengers yeah we're, we're just there to drive the thing and right. um, 
to to an extent that that's true, but a very small extent. There's a lot more to it. So um, whilst we're never going to go back to the um, you know the sort of glory days, you know, where the, the you know the the airline crew were held in high esteem and you know the cabin crew were you know amazing and all of those sort of you know 1920s 1930s kind of era. Um, I do think that there is a, a place for instilling a little bit of um, romance back into aviation yeah. flying, a little bit of feeling, um, mm. and a little bit of personality. Uh, of which perhaps the, the low-cost airlines are perhaps guilty of sort of maybe erod- yeah, but, eroding um, to a degree. You know, for, for many, many passengers, uh, flying on an aeroplane is still a non-regular event. Mm. It's not something you do every week. Um, all right. Carlos is an av geek, so he's obviously going to be very excited every time he goes flying. <laughs> but for a lot of people, they're excited because it's associated with their holiday. Yeah. And a lot of my passengers, you know, love to, you know, have the food on board, and yeah. it's all part of that holiday the experience. experience. Yeah. So providing a little bit of, you know, sort of intimate information as to what, you know, flight details are going to, you know, prevail mm-hmm. during the, on their route and so forth and what they can expect to see, yeah. I think it's good fun. I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly there when you talked about personality, Al. And um, when there have been occasions where we have picked up uh, long-term delays, whether due to ground stop issues or tech issues or the 24-hour delay thing, um, when the captain or first officer not just comes over the PA but actually gets up and uses the front crew position PA, that is a fantastic experience and it get, it keeps everybody on side and it's such an easy win it really is and there's a couple of youtube clips perhaps uh, matt might want to link them of a couple of guys that have done this on uh, easyjet and there's a, a couple of other guys that uh, work for other airlines that do it. and it really does show um, how it turns a particularly difficult situation mm. into one where the passengers go okay captain we're in your hands we'll, we'll wait yeah. for you, you know, absolutely yeah, i've done that on a handful of occasions um, and uh, without blowing uh, uh, my own trumpet, it does go down well um, with the passengers because, of course, the majority of the time we're the unseen, and it's very easy to uh, develop negative thoughts to someone that you've not seen. Mm. Uh, but once you've experienced that sort of face-to-face relationship, and there have been occasions, um, certainly over the last few years, where we've had sort of lengthy air traffic control delays, um, which are entirely out of my hands, um, and um, I'll go and wander down the cabin and chat to passengers, and it's amazing how well that goes down. I can imagine, yeah, absolutely. Um, because, uh, and similarly, we, you know, we have you know children come and visit the flight deck, you know, because we're on the ground, we're just waiting for our air traffic control slot. That's, that's that, normally me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but you're not a child anymore. You're, you're supposed to be. You're yeah, supposed well, to be all grown uh, up about it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it, it is amazing how uh, how well that goes down, and I mm. do try to do. It's not always. Um, possible when things are quite dynamic and as the captain of the aeroplane you do need to be at the focus point of all of the the sort of channels of communication Um, but when it's obvious that you're not going to be going anywhere for some time whether it be technical or weather or air traffic control yeah to actually go and spend some time with the customers indeed yeah that's that that, that is what we are at the end of the day isn't it as far as you're concerned you're looking after uh royal jets customers essentially and 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 i think you know again i use uh, some of the lower cost carriers as an example of that they're perhaps a little guilty of treating us more like cattle perhaps than anything else yeah and, and at my own airline we've been uh we've been trained um in sort of uh, customer facing skills and we're actively encouraged uh, mm. especially 
uh, when passengers are disembarking the aircraft to you know go and say cheerio and shake hands and that sort of thing uh, and I think that's really really important it's often not possible when people are boarding when mm. it would be the, possibly the more logical time yeah, to do it. Yeah, just to greet people, yeah. Um, because obviously, from my point of view, there's an awful lot going on. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, time is money. Mm. Um, but when we're, we're disembarking, very often uh, I'll, I'll say cheerio to passengers. Mm. And that's a company policy to try to where possible. Well, listen, guys, I'm afraid we're rapidly running out of time. We're sort of reaching our two-hour slot window now, so it is sort of time really? to bring episode... I know we're having such a Tons lovely time, time, but uh, the episode 126, we need to sort of really start bringing to a close. Before we close, though, just... Um, See, you're ignoring... He's, just, <laughs> just he's overriding the producer again, isn't he? Just Honestly. listen. <laughs> before we close, before yes. we close, just a quick round-up, because you guys a few weeks ago, obviously Al flew over mm. here, and Al took you up in the uh, the the PA-28, yeah. and uh, you had your very first flight in a GA aircraft, Matt. I did, absolutely. I, 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 it's still, uh, still my only real memory of it was... Uh, actually, funnily enough... And I'm more, still jealous, by uh, the way. Obviously, I would expect you to be nothing less. And actually, seeing, seeing it uh, on the ground again today at Beckles uh, sort of brought back a few more memories, because I didn't really remember a great deal about it, other than my only lasting memory was incredible views, because it was a beautiful day, unlike today, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but... Uh, uh, my lasting memory was was stunning views of our of our local area, but actually, sort of more of the flight sort of came flashing back to me, if you like, when when I saw it on the ground um, today at Beckles, and uh, yeah, it's uh, well, I'm very much a believer in in seizing the moment. And yeah. I, I'd, you know, that there were many opportunities for you to say, actually, I don't, mm. I don't want to do this yeah. today, and that would have been fine. Um, but having such positivity coming from you mm. and and. There was, you know, the, the, the time and the place and yeah. the opportunity. Let's go do it. Yeah. Uh, and um, there was no screaming, no shouting, no, 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 no vomiting. I, no, no, I did quite well. I was very proud of myself. I have to say, I don't think I'd have enjoyed it anywhere near as much as I did if it was a day like today. But candidly, <laughs> we wouldn't have done it. <laughs> no, no, okay. So, yeah. so yeah. That, that, uh, that was all part of the, mm. the decision-making process yeah. that I went through. Yeah. Um, and, yep, yeah, so, no, on a, on a day like today, it, it wouldn't have been offered no, to you. No, because so, it would so, just be too bumpy and, yeah. Well, it, it's... Um, it's not conducive to to calm and relaxation, which is <laughs> yeah. what we wanted to try yeah, and get out. Absolutely, of and I must say, actually, again, thank you to to everyone because I've had some fantastic messages from everyone who were who were really supportive and sort of really pleased that I'd finally gone up in the air and uh, in a little is it, now, GA. I presume that stands for General Aviation. It does, it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and uh, and it was it was really really good. As I said, there was a lovely uh, little message that we got from Milo, which I couldn't actually put out for time constraints uh, on the thing. Uh, as I say, it's just been great great feedback and i i am genuinely actually looking forward to my next flight to um to to like derry uh, if if i can still get one it seems thanks to brexit but anyway <laughs> it's just um yeah i i'm looking forward to i'm not so much looking forward to the flight but i'm looking forward to to putting the the tools if you like that you armed me with i'm looking forward to actually putting those into practice uh, and and sitting there thinking about what's going on and feeling the angles and telling myself that 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 isn't as bad as it feels and do you know Absolutely, what I mean? just yeah. little things like that so as i say from my own point of view i must say a big thanks to al not only for flying over here a few weekends back uh, to, to give me this, this what I can only describe as fantastic counselling it really was it was a very candid conversation we were both sort of quite open about what was going on and uh, I would like you please to give your website a good plug if that's yes, alright with you if, uh, if you can at all manage to do that yeah yeah know. no it's uh, it's www.flightfearsolutions.co.uk 
Uh, all as one word, that is www.flightfearsolutions.co.uk. And uh, speaking from personal experience, I, 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 as I say, it was it was a fantastic sort of two, two and a half hours. I know you don't normally do it in such a short window. No, and I um, also don't often use the, the, the light aeroplane, the general aviation yeah. aeroplane. Normally we do. They're sort of a company flight. Um, on a on a commercial airline, yeah. so yeah. that was a little bit of a, unusual, a, a, yeah, a, a special sort of thing yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, so if anybody is listening, oh, I don't think I want to go up in a little airplane. Yeah. That yeah. that that's not a requirement no, no, by no. any stretch no. of the imagination. Well, and and as I said at the time, if it had been anyone other than Captain now sat next to me, I don't think I'd have been able to do it either. If I'm honest, so uh, you know, as uh, credit where credit's due. But it, it was a fantastic experience, and I am genuinely looking forward to putting the tools that you've armed me with, if you like, into, into, into practice. So, uh, yes. And there's some great photos uh, of, of Al's visit last time round. We haven't taken any photos today of when he arrived because it's not very nice out there. Windy. Uh, <laughs> Windy, he's not covering it. As I say, I don't, know, I don't know how you got it here so easily today, really. That's nicely <laughs> covered by the fact that you were late arriving. <laughs> okay. That was Matt's fault. Anyway, how dare you? I'm gonna, I'm gonna quick, quickly, quickly get this out before we close because this is gonna bug right. me if I don't say this. Okay, all right. A geared turbofan. Oh, here we go. Right, is yes. a more efficient type of turbofan aircraft engine. Gears allow the compressor turbine assembly and the fan to spin at different angular velocities. Okay, there great. We go. So Nev. Yes. Hi Nev. Hi Nev. <laughs> Uh, massive thanks to you, Nev, for uh, driving mm. all the way here. To yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, where can people find out more about you, Nev? Yeah, well, I work for a company called Feltech, F-E-L-T-E-C-H, and uh, our website is feltech.co.uk, and our business is audiovisual systems integration, broadcast, mucking about with gear, basically. And uh, All the things I want to do yeah, for we, a living, yeah. we enjoy that a lot. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, yes, that's my, my normal job, but obviously I've got a huge passion for aviation. Like one of these days, you know, when I can afford it, a long time in the future, I would really like to take a, a PPL. But uh, just at the Ooh. moment, I don't have the, the <laughs> no. money nor the time, sadly. Yeah, I think it's the time, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Yeah. people don't realise that, you know, some serious work has to be done in order to <laughs> get Captain this Captain Jeff has put in the chat room, uh, what's that company called? Nevta. The other reason that actually I, I would find doing a, a PPL quite difficult, even though I had the money all the time now, is where I live to the northwest of London is very congested in terms of mm. um, the general airspace that's available. So there's you know four, five, six main airports around London, oh, yeah, course, and yeah. uh, just not quite as much space as you have up here guys no so, indeed um, yes we are quite I'm, spoiled I'm sure really. I'll be yeah. doing uh, yeah. airspace infringement left right and centre <laughs> I wasn't careful so uh, uh, I'll be subject to an AAIB report I expect indeed yeah and, it, and so so yes yeah, so if, if you ha if you don't know about our show already obviously where have you been you're listening to it so I presume you've already found us in some True. way but our website if you want to look at some of the photos got some great photos from both Riyadh and Farnborough actually uh, Farnborough interviews will start not next week but the week after there's a good reason for that because I'm on holiday and Carlos frankly will have enough to do because he's in the studio on his own which could be hilarious so, so make sure that you're listening because it could be a car crash everyone uh yes www.plaintalkinguk.com is the website uh if you want to watch us live on youtube it is www.youtube.com forward slash plaintalkinguk 
forward slash live. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Plain Talking UK is how you get to us there. And our Twitter handle is at Plain Talking UK. If you want to write an email to us directly, you can find that at www. No, I'm lying at all. It's podcast at Plain Talking UK. com. I was doing so well there. I, I actually You're thought it was pre recorded. So well. <laughs> absolutely. It was. it was on rails. Yeah, it was absolutely. And it just uh, that's a lovely shot of you, by the way, on the YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that, that reminds me Caption of what competition on. there Caption Indeed, competition. absolutely So, anyway. so before we close the show We're going to say a massive thank you To everyone who's joined us In the chat room today It's been really busy It's been a been really, really busy chat room uh, Especially our friends across the pond And yeah. obviously all around Europe Who've joined Ste- us in Steph the was listening to us While she was running Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And, and Captain Jeff has been listening to us While he's been driving Ah you he see, obviously had yes, the autopilot on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. yeah, just hold that up to the camera. Oh, it's, it's, um, it's, I tell you what, it's been very interesting and very educational in the uh, in the studio kitchen here because um, uh, there's so many things going on off camera that yeah. the viewer just, just would not see, see. <laughs> and it's probably just as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's 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 been a terrifying oh, experience for us all. But no, is it? And also, we want to say, obviously, me and Matt want to say big thanks to to both oh, you guys yeah. for joining absolutely. us today. You're very welcome. Um, yeah. uh, uh, absolute pleasure yeah uh, it's been brilliant and we've Thanks, got, still got some more bits and pieces to do later on today yeah, absolutely taking them to the best restaurant yeah. in the world later yeah. in the world yes. in the world in the world I'm sorry I'm channeling my inner Clarkson alright <laughs> in the world no okay okay <laughs> and on that bombshell it is time to Super bring ring. episode 126 to a close I don't have a wide shot for everyone to see today so we'll just have uh, to go we'll around just, we'll, just, so oh, we'll go around so, so we'll, say, we'll say to Shall Al I say goodbye extra? Al <laughs> cheerio bye bye yeah, Nev say goodbye Nev see you bye yeah Carlos say goodbye goodbye uh, I'm going to say goodbye but only very briefly because I have to press this button from all of us here in the studio it is goodbye bye. Bye.